What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Little call! Hey, behaves! Recording on a Sunday, John, Ooh. after some uh, SEC golf and uh, getting the week started right. Do you, do you think it just means more over there? You know, you said that to me last week that, like, just the Irish crowds were going to be incredible. I got to admit, I didn't really notice them until today. I'd kind of forgotten to be looking for them. But then you see some Irish flags, and I actually saw some Washington State ponchos in the uh, state at the uh, on the 18th hole. Well, for the first time ever, they, but, they limited the amount of people in there, too, I think, you know. Yeah, you, that's right. You did say that. I think it was 237,000. Yeah. But, I mean, once you get the Irish guy, clearly got like, it was clear for the whole weekend. Like, this is his thing to yeah. win. Uh, but, yeah, it felt pretty big time. I mean, the golf, the golf's old there. No. I wasn't a big Game of Thrones watcher. I know you weren't either, but they did a little Game of Thrones rejoin Saturday where they showed all the stuff. I was like, that's pretty it, cool. It, that's pretty amazing. It, it's, I, it's pretty sweet. It, it's, it's really cool to watch. It's a little like we're not that far away from the NFL season. Now, NFL games start, you know, kickoffs at 10 a.m. But you, whenever you get at someone from the East Coast, they're like, God, you guys have it so good. You just wake up, you pour coffee, and the football starts. This is like the better – this is, like, you know, like the England game, right? You wake up, you're like, damn, it's second quarter. It's 7.30 in the morning. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome yeah, that with, way. With higher stakes. Yeah, it's just – it felt. I don't know that much about Shane Lowry. I mean, I know who he is just because he's been on tour for a while. But it was a pretty cool moment. I thought it was cool that Graham's. I, I guess Graham didn't stay because he played for the weekend. Could Rory now? He's really famous. Like, is he gonna walk around the grounds and just get him more? I get that, but like, come on, bro. You could. I would. Could stay. Yeah, I would like for him to stay. Yeah, just you could just stay and hang out in the clubhouse and do whatever you want. You know, not like. Well, like, where was Patty? Well, hold on. Before we get any further on this, because there's a lot to get into here, let's tell the people, John, this podcast is brought to you by a fine company that has supported this podcast, and you have supported this company, which we, we appreciate. And they're having their five who, – who knew, John? Their five-year anniversary is coming up this week for Ease, easewellness.com for the CBD, ease.com, 
And as always, the promo code's ham. Yep, guy, and it's it's a hell of a deal. You get $20 off your first purchase, over $50. You know whenever you go to like Uber Eats or DoorDash, you're like, oh, free delivery? That's a great feeling. Over $50, free delivery. CBD products. I mean, I had to watch my little brother's dog last night. Uh, I w- wish I would have had some CBD products for Bailey. I would have <laughs> fired it down Bailey's throat. And uh, any THC products from vapes to edibles to it, everything you can possibly think of, either ease.com or easewellness.com for CBD has you covered. Promo code HAM, $20 off your first purchase, over $50 free delivery. Tell your friends and then tell more of your friends. That's right. And remember, it's E-A-Z-E dot com at ease.com. It's the best delivery platform to get legal, licensed, fully tested marijuana products, 21 and over, verified in minutes, del- delivery all over the place. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, the on-demand nature of it, it is fast as hell. It's awesome. And then there's also easewellness.com, and that's E-A-Z-E, wellness.com. Promo code HAM. And like I said, John, July 24th to the 29th, the Ease summer celebration they're turning five you know what that means you know what that means dank deals john six days of dank deals you got you gotta love a good dank deal guy you gotta love a good dank deal uh all right let's let's start with the open we uh we bet on brooks and dj as a as a ham pod bet we bet on brooks and dj i felt good about brooks didn't feel great about dj Thursday or Wednesday, I guess it was. You said on the pod, "How do you feel about Ricky Fowler?" I said, "Not good." You said, "How do you feel about Tommy?" I said, "Pretty good." Both of them were in the mix. Uh, obviously, as we were talking about, Shane Lowry won. But what, what was your it, uh, well, you think you, watching the whole thing? No Tiger, no Phil. Yeah, I, I gambled on Tiger. That was a disaster. I had money on Ricky. I hesitated on Fleetwood. All you can ask for to me as a golf gambler is like if you start the weekend with Ricky and. With Tommy Fleetwood, that, that's all you can ask for in a major. Like, your guy you're betting on has a shot. And I'd say the same for Brooks. Yeah. DJ never had a shot. Uh, DJ's kind of been I, a shell of himself, but he's not the same right now. Like, Brooks is on a much higher level. Like, right now, I saw they showed when I was watching this morning, they showed a clip of DJ. They're like, the number two player in the world. Well, it's like him and D, him and Kepka are on different planets right now of just who legitimately mm-hmm. has a chance. I'll say this for my uh, couple people started texting me like Middlecoff, you got to try DraftKings for golf, and I'm like, okay, I'll dabble. It actually is pretty fun. Now, granted, I won some cash, but it's it's a little easier than just gambling straight up on golf. This is my first year gambling on golf, and I, I mean, I I lost every major. The one place I made some cash. Probably about a two G's in the hole, but I made some cash on a match play, which is a little easier. To me, the bets are going to be next year, top fives and top tens. Now, your odds aren't as good, but you feel much more comfortable if you get basically one-to-one. So you put down 100 bucks, you win 100 bucks on Brooks finishing in the top 10. Like Bets like that. Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler. You bet on those guys to do top 10, top five. Because one thing's pretty clear. Like, God, why can't I pick a winner? Because you're one versus 150. Like, the, the odds just on that are very, very difficult. Uh, so, I, I'm going to adapt. I, I don't know how much more I'm going to just bet on humans to win straight up. Because it's just, yeah, I, as my wallet has figured out, it's very, very difficult. 
<laughs> it is yeah. just when they showed the winners this year, Tiger, Gary Woodland, Kepka, and this guy. Think about that. Like Kepka was the one guy you felt good about. Most of us, when Tiger won it, it was I mean, one of the coolest things I've ever seen, but we weren't feeling that great about Tiger winning it. <laughs> you know? Gary Woodland well, came out yeah, of nowhere. Yeah. To your point, I feel great about Kepka winning, and if he finishes second, you're like, ah, I was right on it. But like you said, he's only won once. But the, but he, that's what I'm saying about the top fives and top tens. He's finished top five. No, no, I'm with you. Yeah, so he's you're making good. He sense. was second in the Masters, won the Players, second in the U.S. Open, and what, it feels like guy. He was dead last in this tournament for his uh, standards. He's tied for third. <laughs> you know, so betting on. I'd say this betting on Kepka. I'll give you this. What would you say the likelihood Capcom wins a major next year? Don't you feel pretty good? He's going to be in the mix at yeah. minimum, like two of the four of them. I, I'd be shocked right. if he doesn't win one next year, guy. I'd be shocked. So would I. Because. But I, well, if you bet on him to win every major, you go one and three. Well, he, right? like, think but about that's this. A su- successful year for him. Well, think about this guy. He's got four majors. There's a chance he retires with like five, maybe six. So if you bet on him for every major, you're going to lose a lot of them. I still think he's pretty, like, even when he was watching him get really frustrated putting on Saturday, his putts were missing by millimeter. I mean, like, his bad putting day was better than a lot of people's bad putting days. Would you take right now, he's won four. And I got in a couple arguments with people yesterday, like, he's just like Henrik Stenson or DJ. Middlecoff, stop no, blowing Kepka. No, he's not. Those guys have a combined two majors. He's got four, and he finishes... Top three in every major he plays in for three years. I, If you took the over-under right now, he's got four, and I gave you five and a half majors in his career, don't you feel pretty confident taking the over? I do. I feel like he's going to win seven or eight. Like, he, he's got a chance this window, and he's 29 years old, next th- two or three years to me to win, like, a couple, right? Well, what, what do you feel better about, him winning – let's say three more or Shane Lowry winning another one. Yeah. I mean, Shane I mean, Lowry more me likely Brooks. is a one-time winner. There's nothing Which wrong is fine. Yeah. But like, let's not like, if you're watching Brooks, you, to me, this idea that like, he's like every other guy that's one of, that's gotten hot. Well, I think the only thing that stops Brooks is like, if Brooks just gets bored with golf or something, <laughs> but I see watching him get frustrated on Saturday to me, like some people were saying, which, and I understand it. Now he's going to, you see, he's got to deal with the things everybody's got to deal with. But I, I just appreciated, like, this whole he doesn't practice, he doesn't really care for the other things. Like, he does – I watch him. I do think he cares about winning golf. <laughs> yeah. I do think he lo- he loves to compete. Well, he, and it just gets his blood flowing. And so that's why I, you know, I um, I, I don't I don't think he's slowing down here soon. Now, I mean, slowing down from winning three a year maybe, but – Yeah, or I, being, like, back – holding multiple championships at one time. I mean – He's just going to have a chance every – weekend he plays well I, I saw like uh, <clears throat> one of the golf guys put out the odds for the masters he's the favorite he's the favorite right now he, Why, what, like I just, you know that's the best way to put it is how could he not be the favorite for a lot of these majors well i, I to me do, is there is there the another three. american oh, we, let's include every player the world is there another player you feel more confident next year in the four majors if he's healthy than brooks kapka no. He had no chance. To me, he is the obvious pick. Now, look, he became – he fit. what did he finish today, third? Tie for third, yeah. Tie for third. It, I mean, today so was a disaster. He joined, Even Fleetwood was like – there was a stretch of two holes when it was like, this is horrendous conditions. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, J- Grant, JB Holmes shot. Uh, when you talk to Tarico. JB Holmes shot at eighty-seven. I don't know. Graham McDowell was like, "These guys are getting tested to the limit today." <laughs> That's what he told Tarico during the round. But um, so he joined a group of now five golfers that have finished top five in every major uh, in the same year. In fact, he's the first one now to be top three in every major in the same year. But the other four guys to finish top five in every major in one year are Jack Tiger, Jordan Spieth. And Ricky, I didn't. Ricky finishing top five in every major in a year. It's been a while, but the thing is, Speed Speed is one major away from the grand, career Grand Slam. Like Jordan had a stretch too, that was you thought he's is this guy going to become the greatest golfer ever? Right? I don't. It's hard to remember how I felt about it then, but I do. I'm pretty confident that Brooks is not. You know, three years we'll look back and say, ah, oh, remember that time Brooks Kepka was really hot, but he can't, he hasn't been able to find it in a while. I know that, yeah. I, I but he does have speed anger level potential, I think. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with that because he shits the bed in a lot of the random tournaments because he doesn't practice, and I don't think he cares. Yeah, but I think in major, like, I do think he's, I think like Jordan, he just really is competitive. He's like uber competitive. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Did you see the photo of Graham McDowell? Uh, no. High school Graham McDowell. Uh, fat. They show high school the high school team of Graham McDowell. They had a photo from this course, and one of his he's like that's Ricky. The other guy's like that's Ricky, second from the left. That's Brooks's captain now. I mean caddy now. Oh, they were high school teammates. Yeah, isn't it kind of crazy that? And it probably isn't that crazy because the top ten Irish golfers, you know, that what's Graham McDowell, a little older than us, maybe thirty eight, thirty nine. That whole group. You would just be playing with each other over there, right? The, the elite guys. No different than, like, all the AAU guys in the NBA. Like, yeah, I played on the team with seven other guys. We're all in the league now. Of course you do, because that's just who you... When you're the best of the best, that's who you kind of play with. And they're just over Graham there. Graham turns 40 next week. So, Ricky... So, give or take, Kepka's caddies that age, right? You know, yeah, 38, I thought 30. I actually thought... I thought he was like early 40s, kept his caddy. I don't know. Yeah, for some reason, I thought McDowell was like 38, but 40. He just had a pretty good run. Uh, Young personality. Yeah. The one thing that... Sorry, you were just talking about all those guys playing together. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's just... Yeah. What happened to Patty? Patrick looks... Well, I mean, he looks great. He's tan. Good jawline still. He, he, you know who he looks like? Uh, like uh, Is he playing golf anymore? You know how Mark Mulder, whenever you see him in the Tahoe tournament, you're like, yes. God damn, this guy's good looking. <laughs> I mean, how does he? That's a great call. He's just unfazed. And then sometimes we go on a deep dive of Mark Mulder. You'll be like, Jesus! He, I mean, he didn't he play at SC, or maybe he got drafted out of high school, but he was supposed to go to SC. No, he, I think he got drafted out of high school. Zito played at SC, but you just see Mulder pictures from when he was really young. You're like, God, this guy hasn't struggled to get laid since he was like 12. Michigan State. That's where Mulder Michigan went. State. But yeah. you just see when he's really young, before he even went to the pros. You're like, this guy's the best looking guy on campus. And it kind of has that feel to Patty a little different. Like, I don't remember, like, Patty in his prime. But he just looks like every woman, when he walks in, like, that's a really good-looking 40-year-old. I right. mean, chiseled jaw, no body but fat. is he still playing golf? I, I doesn't. Maybe just hanging out in Ireland. It does feel like yeah. the one thing about Ireland where I'm jealous that America doesn't have, him, have this. Now, it's a little... There's some turmoil over there every once in a while. You keep your head on a swivel. Does it feel like everyone's just a little more relaxed over there? A little friendlier? 
And again, I'm judging from 20,000 feet. I can't. I've not been. But the people who've told me who've been, they they love it. But I can't. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to tell. It, it, the one thing you know they like to do is drink. I mean, drinking. And they even took a couple references throughout the. Like you'd just be watching like a Saturday, and they'd be like, uh, they'd be showing a clip. Like when you and me went to the Pebble Beach. They had these different tents and stuff to hang out. They're like, a lot of pints are getting drinking in there. Like, they over, like, there's alcohol being, you know, drunk. People are drinking alcohol at every golf tournament you ever play. But it feels like they emphasize it a little more over there. Like, just pints are flowing, the pints. Yeah, it's always. I didn't feel like the pints were flowing at Pebble Beach. I thought people had beers in their hands, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's less of a just a celebrate. It feels like uh, I don't know. It feels I felt like uh, internationally they drink heavily as part of the celebration with the sport. Like at Pebble, we saw people. There are a lot of people drinking, not paying attention to any golf. They're just there hanging out drinking. I wonder if that's happening in Ireland or if all the drinking is happening while also enjoying the competition. Yeah, but it's, you know what I'm saying. Like we went to that one but, tent, but, but, but like at the people, at the end of the day. And you even saw it there. There are just going to be places where, even if you're standing there attempting to take in "quote unquote" the competent, you can't see. So you're like, "Fuck it, I'm just going to go to the bar, watch kind of on the TV, yeah. and I'm still getting credit for being part of being part of this event." Because do you see Henrik Stenson's shank? Yeah, <laughs> and then he snapped his club Puig style. Yeah, you can't hit it on the hosel. I, I thought the, the th- there was a the, point though, guy, where it just got so windy and cold when you're not going to win. Where I would imagine it cross your mind, like, I can't wait to get out of here. Now you got to yeah. be careful because the Haberman idea, and this would have been a good time to do this today, to make because they just show Lowry the whole time. Well, you can show other people if you show like that putt they just lost a hundred grand. JB Holmes, right? JB Holmes is in the last group on Saturday. He shoots. How much money did that guy lose today? I mean. Hundreds of thousands I wish, of I dollars. Wish that was part of the conversation. Hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars with every shitty shot. Think about that. And just that's where I think Ricky would get some credit. You're like, God, Ricky just stays in the plus on the on the six figures there. Ricky, man, is he ever? You think? Are you confident he's going to win a major? Yes, because you can't put yourself in position. It, it'd be like the likelihood of the Dodgers winning the World Series. Well, if they make the playoffs for ten straight years. Kind of Atlanta Brave styles of the '90s. Even if you quote unquote underachieve, you're still going to win one World Series. If you finish top five in every major and you're an elite player for ten straight years, you're bound to get some bounces go your way. Like, do you feel that way? And you're a really good. Yeah, I'm still pretty confident he's going to win. Because again, but... guy, if you because I think the way he'd look at it, there's one guy at a historic run in this tournament. Like even Fleetwood said after the tournament, it was you know. I, I could have done more, but at the end of the day, it was his time, right? I think some guys that have come – now, Fleetwood's come really close. He mentioned that. It was just his time. And I think when you play with a guy, you realize, you know, I've hit some good shots, hit some bad shots, but th- it's just his – this motherfucker's time. But eventually, yeah. it's just going to be Ricky's time. Now, he might just end up with just like one major. You're like, God, he should have won like four or five. Because I bet Ricky's thinking, I try so hard at this goddamn game. I've been a much better player than, let's say, Kepka for a long period of time, and he's already got four, and I got nothing. Like that, that'd be things if I was Ricky. It, this game, life isn't fair. Because how much more time has Ricky put in his life into the sport of golf? Now, maybe Kepka would tell you, 
Yeah, it's easy to say that Tim now. Was like I, I, I played in, I was playing the European tour. Yeah. I was grinding. Don't say I wasn't. Yeah, grinding. I was over there in Asia when no one was watching me, and Ricky was getting pampered over here playing, you know, with the long ass hair and the orange shirt in 2011. So yeah, that would probably be his comeback. But Ricky would be like, "Well, I've still practice more." You don't get, and his thing yeah. would be like, you know, some players don't do shit in practice; they make plays on Sundays. You know, maybe you're not that guy, Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> Really quick before, because uh, I, I put this on Twitter, I, I put this on Instagram, and I got a lot of positive responses. I think you thought I was intoxicated. I was dead sober. I said, because I, again, I, I do not follow the man, and I do not condone what he stands for, but I ended up on his page because the one thing I've been taken back for is OJ Simpson's pretty smart. You just hear him talk like he's not an idiot. Now, murderer or whatever, bad guy. But I was like, I DM'd him. <laughs> And I asked him to come on the show. Now, he's not going to respond, mm. more than likely. But if he does respond... But he might. But he might. There is a chance he might. Anytime you DM a human, female or male, male's usually asking for something, female's trying to get a date, you know, the hit rate... Especially a bored person. Yeah, the, the, the hit rate isn't that high. But he might. If he says, sure, when do you want me? We have to take the interview, right? Uh, I don't know. What what were the people responded and said yes? I don't feel good about it, but uh, you said people want to hear that? But again, uh, it would just be talking football. I, I'm not, what am I going to find out about? Talking me? football? You're going to have OJ on to talk football? Well, what are we going to talk to OJ about? Life? Uh, murder? <laughs> I don't think you have him on to talk football. Well, see, I, I'm not a journalist. I don't have to ask the question. I, I, I know. I'm not a journalist either, it. but I don't. I don't What do you think of OJ? You, Todd Gurley? What do you think? Well, have you seen some of his videos? He's got a pretty good feel for the league. No. He knows a lot of players. Again, I don't follow him, but I do end up on he the He used to be sometimes. on the pregame show, I guess. He does have a pretty good feel for the to. league. The devaluation really? of running backs, you know, what he thinks about that. He made, yeah. he made a good point. His, like his, I think his, did he run for 2000? I think back in like the late 70s. That they only played 14 games then. He averaged 160 yards a game. He's like, if you extrapolate the other two games, I mean, I, I would be like second on the list all-time season. Like, damn, you did kind of get screwed, you know, for those two games. But again, like... That is a good point. You know? Because I do think OJ... Yeah, that's like, babe, you know, when Roger Maris broke Babe's record in more games. Eight extra games? I think Maris had... So, I mean, it took, it took Roger... Yeah, it took him till game 162 to... Break Babe's record. Babe did it one fifty four. So you know, I, I I'd be I'd I'd be open to it if he if he wanted to ask I, him his favorite shows. I'd be open to it. I mean, it's no different than like ABC News interviewing all R. Kelly, right? No, because they're asking him about being a rapist. Well, yeah, maybe we have to ask the question. OJ, let's get this out of the way. Did you do it? Let's get this out of the way. Let's get one of the biggest stories in the last uh, 30 years out of the way real quick. What if I told you that he just, on our podcast, said, yeah, guys, I did it. And then just, what do you guys think of Todd Gurley? <laughs> Change our careers. <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking football. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get there, OJ. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you said we have to ask a question. I, I wouldn't be opposed to steering away from it. You know, OJ, I'm, I'm just down the street from uh, Galileo High School. 
Tell me about your uh, high school days. Well, he has a fascinating story. Besides, I mean, the murderers, he's not good. But, you know, didn't he grow up? His dad was gay. Rough childhood. He's just a fascinating human. Besides, I mean, bes- then subtract the murder. You add that in. I mean, he's one of the most polarizing humans of all time. What I find crazy is that now, I never know this when you're verified. Sometimes I think DMs, certain DMs are open to you that aren't to other people. But there's a chance that OJ's DMs are just open to anybody, which seems kind of nuts. Cause on if, Instagram? No, on Twitter. Or on Twitter. And if that's the case, OJ's inbox probably looks kind of nuts. Uh, let's see here. See if you can get his DMs. Is he verified? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying like if you are or I am, I think we get certain access that other people don't. Oh. Like, like for example, one time I said something. This is a couple years ago about Woj. And I think I misquoted him or something. He does not follow me. And my DMs are not open. And he slid in. And just was like, hey, John. Oh, really? You're wrong on that. I was like, whoa. My whoa, bad. Woj. My bad, dude. Sorry, Woj. <laughs> Sorry. Woj, mom. And he never responded. And then I was like, oh, I'd love to get you on sometime. And then he just disappeared. <laughs> Woj. Yeah, OJ's... Um, I have not been watching his videos. I haven't even... They haven't even like appeared in my timeline, really. Yeah, I, I just get them retweeted so sometimes in the my res- timeline. There is no response. But the response... When I posted what I sent no, him, no, no, not from him. Was one hundred percent? You have to do it. And I, I, I would agree. Well, I just feel so. Good. Oh, he gives me the creeps. Yeah, I mean, Do it's I have just to tell him that. Uh, yeah, see, that's the type of thing. Like OJ, we feel dirty doing this. Do you judge us? I mean, that's the type of conversation I think we'd open with that. OJ, mm-hmm. we feel like we're losing part of our soul interviewing you for financial. And podcast popularity game. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We can cross that bridge when we come to it. But again, I don't think he's DMing me back, so it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you, he's pretty locked in on fantasy football, who's playing well, who's not playing well. I, I, I'm impressed. I mean, it's, it's a matter of time before he's on, like, somebody's uh, small time, you know, some internet company trying to get some attention as, like, an analyst, right? Well, I think the problem is, is that the Goldmans owe every cent he makes an in income. It's why he doesn't do real jobs because they just siphon the cash. That was a big thing. So he doesn't take jobs that you know about. That's why I don't think he'd do something like that. Because you would think like what you know these TV networks they don't give a shit. That's that's where my logic is. Why should I care? You know, it's just it's just business. Uh that I don't think he can do like a legit, like, like CBS put him back on, uh, even though it'd probably, rate. no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's cause the Goldman's would take his cash. But don't you think he just wants the attention? Well, yeah, that's why he realized you can just go on Twitter and then you can get all the attention you want and no one, you're not enough to make, you don't have to give any Goldman's the money off it. <laughs> cause I don't see where does he get any money from? Where, where's his money coming from? I don't know. That's a great question. NFL pension, I think they they weren't allowed to touch. Maybe that's his cash. 
Oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Because he, he's he's not like 60. I mean, he's, we're talking about a 75-year-old man. What What is that pension? I don't know exactly how it I, works, but I, I know it's I, pretty good. What I heard was 10... If you're like a like a baseball coach, ten years in big leagues, two ten is the pension for life. Two hundred and ten thousand dollars. When does yes. when does that kick in? Sixty or sixty five? I'm not sure. That's a pretty good pension. That's pretty good though. That's a really good pension. Uh, all right. You sent me that. Were you watching that big uh, boxing match on Fox on Saturday night? Oh, that that Is wasn't that pay- Davis was uh, the Manny Pacquiao wasn't pay per view. I I didn't watch it, but I thought it was on Fox. Oh, I was watching UFC on ESPN. I I, I thought Manny pay- Manny Pacquiao was pay per view. If it wasn't pay per view, I'd be kind of pissed. Maybe I would have watched it. I don't know. I I, will, I didn't uh, see either one of them, but but the Mark Davis thing was that well, the UFC because, event or was that at Ma- Manny? I, I think that it was. Manny. I thought it was the UFC event because Greg Hardy was fighting in the... Didn't it feel like a UFC event? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. All I saw was the clip on Twitter. Greg Hardy But fought. I just... The one, the one thing I was thinking, you sent it to me, of Mark Davis, and it's just... Do you think this is the best his life's ever been? Just in terms of his own personal enjoyment? Like, isn't he a king in Vegas? Well, fuck is yeah. Is there any part of him that... I don't think there's any part of him that's going this year like, ah, oh, man, I... I feel torn about this. I mean, I do think he wanted to stay in Oakland to a degree, but I see. I don't like. He's finally getting treated like, well, like he wants like a like a normal person. I think well, there like a not like a normal person, but like a real NFL owner gets treated. Yeah. Well, first off, why would he want to stay here when he's constantly laughed at and everyone thinks he's a joke? Just think about it on that most basic level. Everyone in this area looks at him and laughs, and he gets no respect from the media. No one gives a shit about their team around here. He is kind of the polarizing guy for that. And every time you see him in Vegas, you sit in front row with the Maloofs. He's, you know, maybe it's an escort, maybe it's his girlfriend. I, I don't judge. I really don't even care. But it seems like. Yeah, I think it was the, bo- <laughs> he's bo- it was the boxing match. The, the escorts don't really, I mean, they exist here, but it's a little different. Like there, it's just, it's normal. Uh, he can live, like you said, like a king. And he, he would never sniff that around here. One, because you don't really get that around here. Two, I, I think there was some scars, maybe the wrong word, but he's always been Al Davis's kind of whipping boy, and everyone in this area kind of knows that. In Vegas, he's just the NFL owner that brought an NFL team there, right? And, and you text me when I text you that clip, basically said, God, I mean, not only does he not regret the move, it's the best thing that ever happened to him, just personally, from a status standpoint. Because he's immediately one of the more famous people in Vegas, right? Oh, that's Mark Davis. He owns the NFL team here. Yeah, I mean, one of the most famous and, I guess, in in some ways, one of the most valuable. Well, think about this guy. It's not just fame, right? It's, it's when you own an NFL team in your area, you call shots. Now, even though it feels like they're kind of owned in a different way, just based on what they had to accept, but they like he still he still is the owner of the NFL team. Yeah, I mean I now maybe Jed's a homebody or whatever. Maybe it's because they're losing. Like you don't see Jed ever. Like Mark does want to kind of be social. Like he say this given him this, he likes going to these games. And now does he like going to the games because they're treating him so well? Or does he like going to the games because he just likes games? I, I think I think Mark Davis 
his camp would tell you, well, he's a Clipper season ticket holder forever. I think he just likes sports. You know, he likes going to these events. Like on the most basic level, he just likes having a good time. And this is a good time. You get treated like this. You get the best seats. You, I did not know the Maloose were still in the rotation. Um, but I guess they are. Well, they, yeah, I mean, they still own, uh, they own what's it called over there, the Palms. Or do they still? Maybe they don't. I thought they lost that. Yeah, I think they no, did. No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, they lost everything. But like I I I do think Vegas is going to be support like really supportive of the Raiders. Is Vegas being really supportive enough to fill a football stadium with out of towners? I don't know, but I do think Vegas, the people there, I think are going to be very supportive, whatever that means. But I I think he's feeling the love right now, like for real, not just superficially. Like I think I think they're going to support him. Well, are they going to have what I wonder when you go to Reno or go to, I, I didn't mean Reno, I meant Nevada, the state of Nevada. The moment you get yeah. there, they have ability to play, you know, slots. There's casinos are just in the airport. They're just everywhere. Is his stadium going to operate like that? I, I haven't really looked into it, but like, is there going to be a sports book there? Because the thing that people go to Vegas for, if you like sports, the number one thing they have there is you go to this thing called, I don't know, the sports book. And it's incredible. It's like a, it's a man cave heaven. Now, will that human go to non Raider fan or non Bronco fan or whoever they're playing go to the game? Because the one thing that high rollers get when you go to Vegas, I've never been this guy, but I've known people. They hand you shit, right? So the casinos are going to own a bunch of tickets. So when I when Haberman and Middlecoff, if we were super rich, just going to Vegas for hang out on a weekend in the fall, if the Raiders were home. And we're staying at the MGM, and we're a high clientele. They would hand us two sweet tickets. Maybe, hell, maybe four. Would we go to the game? You know, because sometimes I think if you give me Celine Dion tickets or Lady Gaga tickets, it is a little easier in the sense that I'm already just in the casino. I just walk into the room, right? It's connected. Maybe I have to walk a little bit. I'll, yeah. Well, also, I can't watch that on TV. Well, so if, so think about this: if you and me. If the equivalent of us, we run some business in New York, and we're, we like to gamble a lot. And we come to Vegas multiple times a year, and MGM takes care of us. And we like football. Let's, we're teams of non-Raider people, but we like the NFL, obviously. We come to Vegas, and when we come in the fall, we like placing some big bets in the sports book, hanging out there, drinking, kicking it. Would we, just the one time, and got these new tickets, we probably, I think as just a human being, you might go, yeah, let's check out this new stadium, right? There's probably a shuttle, right? I'm not driving myself. Well, yeah, a cab. Uber or whatever, but yeah. I, I, I do think you're likely to check it out one time. The problem would be if you're not a Raider fan after that one time, you're like, well, I'd just rather watch my team twos playing at the same time. I you know, I can just stay in the sports book and watch the Raider game. I I, I, I will I, say this, anytime yeah. you can see something new for the first time. You just usually do it. So I, I think the first year or two will be fine. Like the the because there'll be a lot of people like that in the stadium. Right. I, I also think that Vegas um this is my perception, just you know, having visited like everybody else. I think that I think there's a little bit of a chip there now. Like we're more than just a we're more than just our little downtown. It's not that little. But I think there's a little bit of a chip there. Like, you guys don't think we're a real – like, no one else thinks we're a real sports town. That's why I think they supported the hockey team so strongly is because it was finally something that was theirs. But they were good, guys. They're all 
Well, they were great. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals. But I do think there is a desire there to – again, my question is just are the numbers there, are enough people – is that passion, like you said, going to carry through multiple seasons if you're not great? I don't know. But I do think, I do think there's a legitimate love there right now just for the fact that they get talk, they are, they're big league now. Yeah, I would say no on the numbers, but what they do clearly have is the money and the mark. That's the most important thing is the cash. Like they have the cash to support it with the casinos. Right. And whether or not the stadium looks like it, you're saying it might be a different animal. Yeah. Again, it's like Jed, it's paid for. And the signage and all that money is so expensive that he's going to be making money that, one, they're basically like in Oakland, what what I, people like, middle guy, such a hater on the Raiders. No, they, they were the worst run business in the NFL. It's not necessarily Mark's job, though, a little as the owner. Their president, Bedane, and hell, even going back to Amy, they couldn't, they could not sign legitimate deals that all these other teams were signing. And that's why I think part of inside the NFL, people made fun of them. Like, you're in this like mecca of all this cash. So even if you are going to leave, you still should be able to get some of these big companies to give you some money. You're the fucking in the NFL. And they, they couldn't generate any cash. The easy part about this is they don't even really need to chase it that much in Vegas because obviously if you're the MGM, if you're whoever, you're kind of lined up. You're calling them. And that's what was not happening out here. You you wanted to be with the Niners, and then when they called you, and this speaks to why I think he's such a king in Vegas, there's not this negative stigma of doing business with the Davis family. You know, It's not like yeah. the Chief also ran. It's like they're the NFL team in town. It's a big deal if you're in that town. And if you're you're in that town, there's just kind of a market share everyone's competing for, right? Of all the different casinos trying to get you in their building to spend money with them, so it's just it's kind of a perfect storm. So from a business standpoint, it can't be argued that it makes a lot of sense for him. And it it never really necessarily was like he got a bunch of free money. My and I, I still argue with people like you said they shouldn't have lived. Yeah, it was an, I had an emotional stance because I knew a lot of season ticket holders are getting fucked. I didn't necessarily care, though I want, I mean, I'd rather have more football teams here than not, but from financially, I get it. He got a free fucking stadium in, in an area that doesn't tax. Now, are they equipped, like, they've never proven they can do anything, like, they've never been able to make money in Silicon Valley, like, is, like, is the next owner, like, the next David Tepper that's going to run this team in 10 years? Yeah, that's probably a good position for him. Right, right. So I would expect no. Uh, I don't think you can gamble in an NFL stadium. Yeah. Well, there you say there are going to be league rules. They're going to prohibit that. When when I was playing golf a couple weeks ago, I ran into these guys. Took a Twitter picture of a diehard Raider fans. Dude had a Raider golf bag. He already. Oh, I saw. Or you sent me. He, that yeah, out. he lives in Tracy. Says he already bought his tickets for Vegas. And they had had a couple, and we were BSing for a hole because they were like letting me play through, but I played a hole with them. And he's like, the thing that makes me nervous, he's like, we're going to have some guys just get in trouble. You know, there's just there's too many drugs there. They're, these guys are rich. The hooker, like, just something's going to happen. You know, and you could say, well, something could happen high, in, the, in any high place. visibility nightlife. Yeah, it's just, it, it's hard. It's one thing. Though, you, maybe you're, are you more. Sorry, I'll let you finish, and then I'll give you my counter. Well, I, I. I because I counter in my own head, like guys live in Miami, guys live in New York, guys live in L.A. now, and it's not that big of an issue. I, I just think Vegas, the first couple years when it's new for 
this first-round rookie from Penn State or Florida. Just, you never know. Now, maybe the at the end of the day, the laws in Vegas are a little more lenient. Like, you can walk around booze. I mean, they're just, you can take out hookers. It's not, it's a little bit different of an animal. But you would think there is going to be a signature moment there where it's like, whoa. <laughs> but maybe they're I not. That, but my counter would be like, is it possible that Vegas is just used to covering stuff up more than Phoenix or even Miami or even, you know, like. It's a little more lawless. They, you, it's more, like on, on one hand, I think, like, oh, it's higher visibility. But think about all the really famous people that are in Vegas all the time that are doing not, who knows what that just doesn't ever make the like no one really TMZ, has any uh, story blog. yeah no one really has any story right about well Michael Jordan this one night they got him on camera with seven hookers all this cocaine and 7 million dollars in cash like that story has never come out and I'm just using Michael's example but from Michael that literally every athlete to slash famous person ever has gone to Vegas and done crazy ass things and it never gets out. So maybe you're right. It's just that's the area you actually want to do crazy stuff. The area you don't is like <laughs> is like, well, this guy was trying to do something nuts in Seattle. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Indianapolis again. Yeah, it's just oh, you know, he put he pushed the envelope in uh you know, he's right outside of Minneapolis. He'd only play for the Vikings for a year. Like that makes people uncomfortable in those in Vegas, like, yeah, of course. You got three hookers, bring them in. Whatever you need. Yeah. Yes, sir, Mr. Davis. Yeah, what madame do you want? Uh, all right, the, uh, the, the 49ers will report, rookies report on Friday, John. This Friday. This Friday. Rookies report. Uh, Nick Bosa is now the only guy holding out because we got the uh, Robbie Gold deal. That, that thing is done. Um, I don't know, man. This one is as tough as the like the Robbie Gold deal was tough, which makes me think if the Robbie Gold deal takes a while, then how long is a real holdout going to take over a lot of money over really a precedent that's different than Robbie Gold's? Like, okay, we can deal with some kickers every once in a while, but high priced rookies like this is not something you want to really break the mold for. Well, to me, you and I have talked about this when they drafted him. There was a stigma to him because of his last name and his brother and his dad. Like, you're drafting a guy that's going to be a pain in the ass to sign. And now, clearly, it it gave me a little pause that Quinton Williams hadn't signed either. Devin White actually just signed like two days ago. And I don't think Daniel Jones has signed yet. Maybe Daniel Jones has signed. Maybe it's Josh Allen. But a couple of the top ten picks have not signed. But it feels like those guys are just kind of semantics. Nick Bosa is, are, are they putting their heels in? Because I, I don't know who to crush, but someone's getting crushed. You're uh, right about Daniel Jones. He hasn't signed? Uh, as of four days ago, he hasn't signed. Yeah, I don't think he has. I think Devin White was the first guy of that group to sign two days ago. Is it, this, is, this is a problem if he holds out because you knew it when you signed him. Or when you drafted him. I didn't love the draft pick, whatever. And then, let's call it what it is, no fault of his own. Well, it kind of is, because he's always hurt. He got hurt in OTAs. So you got hurt, you fucking hurt your hamstring in OTAs, and now you're holding out over something that, the guaranteed money's the guaranteed money. You're fighting over payouts? I I, I don't know who to crush, but I'm crushing, I'm going to be on one. I'm going to be hot. But what about, what about Debo? 
Debo hasn't signed. Yeah, but to me, that one is inevitable. I, I'll be shocked if Friday comes around and Debo's not signed. Second rounders don't hold Just out. Just because he's a second round pick? To me, if if he holds out, I know who I'm crushing, and it's the agent. Like, that's that's a clown show, bro. <laughs> like, you, you don't get well, to... they're both... I don't know if... They, I doubt they have the same... They're, they're both, both represented by CAA, yeah. But I don't know the same person. I doubt it's the same person. When is the last time a second rounder hold out? Like, that's unprecedented territory, right? That does not happen. Uh, he is the only second rounder unsigned. No. I, I, that's a little weird. Right now. That is a little weird, but I still expect... I just wonder if, it, if he wasn't on Nick Bosa's... I wonder if that's just an agent. Do you think that's a CAA thing just because Nick is on his team too? Trying to leverage, are they using Debo a little on the leverage with Nick? Man, but what's Debo? There is no leverage for Debo. It's like this is your fucking contract. Sign it and get the. No, camp. no, no. I understand. I'm saying is CAA saying are they in some way just trying to apply a little pressure signing neither guy for Nick? Like Maybe using Debo. But see, see, to me, this is this to me would be the first if this if this is weeks. Let's just say. Let's say Debo signs, but Bosa holds out for weeks. Like, that's it's the first time where I think you can be really critical of John. Like, John, you like this player that I think some people were on the fence about. I mean, I was, but he wasn't some unanimous elite player. You could have taken the other guy. And when you signed him, you knew you were getting into this. And you're a team that has, like, the one thing you say about the Diners, they don't really have many contract problems. <laughs> like, they... They're pretty black and white with it. They Parag hangs his hat on having good relationships with these agents. Deals get done. You signed up and drafted this player who we all knew. It was all in the back of our heads. Like, is he going to hold out like his brother? And then clearly early on, like, yeah, that's just a family stance. It's not even like Nick or Joey. It's like his dad. We want our payouts. It's like, I, I think they're very LeBron-like. We're getting screwed by the owner. No, they're paying you $30 million guaranteed cash. You're getting it all. Every single penny. So whether you get it on July 1st or the following January 1st, the money is guaranteed to come. Guaranteed to come. You are not getting screwed. LeBron, you aren't either. But the Bosa family, definitely not getting screwed either. But you don't show up. To me, a little different for Joey. If I remember correctly, Joey... felt like Joey and the injury thing It was more once he got to the pros... I, I could be wrong on that. I don't even remember Joey's college career as much, but I think he was pretty, pretty durable. Like, Nick's is a double whammy, right? You're going to hold out and you're hurt all the fucking time? And you've already got hurt for us? We had one practice. I, you might have been like, you were at that practice too, but you, I think you came a little later and you're like, remember, it was like he's walking whoa, around. Whoa, 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 I, whoa I'm not crushing whoa, that. Whoa. You know, it's like you got other job. You, you know, you just got there a little later. But because it was early, it was like, no. I think uh, first rep of practice. Listen, I'm not trying to take had, out. Was that the day I had a real? I might have had a bad turkey wrap from Whole Foods and might have yeah, been again, uh, hanging again, back it, in the that immediate was, bathroom. That was not supposed to be a shot. And hey, my point was that's a true story. It was early on no, in practice. Know, no know, one was even paying attention. I just happened to be standing there, like that's a little weird. And then he never came back in practice. Like I, I'm sorry, guy. You don't get to get injured in practice when you're an injured guy. I actually don't think I was there. I actually don't think I was there that day. I do think he ended up coming. If I'm, being, tru- if I'm being truthful. Maybe not. But I, I just know that I, th- this is – I'm anti-player empowerment, so I'm naturally going to lean on that. But this type of shit drives me fucking up a wall. You're holding out, Nick? 
you, you've been hurt. You got hurt for us already. I, I agree with you. Fundamentally, I agree with you. But again, like this is the guy you drafted. This is not a surprise that we're here. So as an organization, the Niners either decided when they drafted him, we're going to be, we're going to be hard line. And if he doesn't want to show up till the fourth week of the NFL season, we're not going to budge or we're going to be willing to give a little, but we're not going to do it before the holdout actually begins. We're going to test him a little bit to see if he's willing to go through it. But like this, this shouldn't be sneaking up on anybody. Well, it's not, but to me, it's a little like a credit card payment. They wanted it. They bought it. They knew they might not have the money to pay it back, but they said, we'll cross that bridge when we got there. The problem is, like anything, the bill eventually comes due. And now the bill for Nick Bosa is Friday. And I, I, I'm always, I would say I'm not like 100% sure like he's going to hold out because the Niners are aggressive on this. And they know it's, a, it's an awful look, for like you said, it for everyone involved. For Nick, they're going to look kind of shitty. Not because, like, you should just give him your money. Because they would say, what fucking money? We're giving him all the goddamn money! You know? He's getting every penny! There are good over stupid shit. We, we, you know, what did Aaron Tippin say? You gotta stand for something. We're sta- we just stand for this because this or is how we fall. do it. Yeah, or your fall for anything. Yeah, so we're not going to change a date for him. We, we do the same date for everyone. Ask Solomon Thomas. Every fucking check clears. And he's getting every penny. And he sucked. So that same Buckner, the same thing, and Armstead. They've they all drive Range Rovers, and the life is good. Their cash is guaranteed. Uh, Bosa ain't dicking us around. Then fair, the counter would be, well, then why'd you hop in bed with Bosa? And they say, well, he's the best yeah, player. That, well, look, I, I could under, if he's gonna follow Joey's blueprint, he's still five weeks away from signing. First of all, okay, Joey signed on August thirtieth. How big of a disaster would it so, be if that's the case? Well. I mean, it would be, I guess, but I think when you drafted him, you had to be prepared that he would sign on August 30th because we've all been talking about it since before he got drafted, that this is what Joey did. Nick might do the same thing because they have the same father. So, I mean, would you say right now it was a disaster for the Chargers? No. But also Joey's been an elite player, though. Yeah, and, and that's a big part of it, too. Like, at the end, it comes down to, did you draft the second best player, the one of the best players in this draft, or didn't you? Like, yeah. he needs to be there. Well, see, in two years, a holdout, if he's good, will have meant nothing. But I can only go off at the time, and people are going to be hot. And this is even more unique than Joey, because we've already had Joey, right? So it's like, what are we doing? And yeah, I think that's what the Chargers that- kept saying. Like, what do you want? But that's what I say to you and the Niners is like I I I I'm with I agree with you. This I don't think this is right, but I think you had to assume the worst when you drafted Nick Bosa. Yeah, I, so I wonder, are you just going to drag it out for a few weeks because you don't want the the rookie you draft next year to know that all he has to do is threaten it and you'll like to me they're not getting this deal done before Friday because if you're the Niners you don't you don't want to do that. You don't I mean if you're if you give in to him you're not going to make it easy for the next guy just to say I'm holding out and then it doesn't actually cost you anything and they sign you. 
Um, I'd love to see teams like actually follow through on finding guys for the missed days, but I get why they don't because it's just in goodwill we're not going to do that. Now that we've got you signed, you're in our locker well, room, that, we want you that, to be happy. That's what I was looking forward to to Robbie. If Robbie refused to show up, refused to sign the tender, but was ultimately going to show up week one, it's like, hey, Robbie, we're paying you the five and a half, but you're getting that $700,000 bill for missing every other practice. Like, yeah, you're getting that fucking bill. Kick away, buddy. Because <laughs> Nobody does that. But the kicker is the one guy like, what's Rob? You're still getting $4.2 million. I would have sent him that bill so goddamn fast. That's what I was looking forward to. Why does nobody do it? They're just In the end, it's just not worth fighting that battle with a player that you is now on your team. Someone has to have done it, right? Because at the end of the day, what if you were getting some... I feel like they just always... Let's say you were getting some equivalent bill right now. I mean, their bill is like twenty grand a a day. But let's just say you were getting fined for whatever, relative, like $500 a day. And you went a month on that. Like, to me and you, I mean, I wouldn't be able to sleep past like a week. (laughs) But if you knew there was a chance, like, yeah, more than likely it's going to get waived. Like, no other walk of life does that shit just get waived. It's crazy. So I'm expecting this to go on for a little while. Um, I will not have a big issue with the Niners giving a little, right, doing what they don't want to do here. But uh, I also... I think CAA would make Joey or Nick look bad. They would... What do you mean? Like, to me, they would make their client look bad because I think people are already on a little edge with them that he got hurt in, in OTAs. Like, God, what the hell? And now you're holding out? Bro, he hurt his hamstring one snap into OTAs. One snap. So I got this always injured guy that's now a pain in the ass? What the fuck? But, I mean, you don't think he's showing up Friday. Uh, no, I mean, I, I am prepared... My educated guess is he's a holdout. I just think you have to assume that until proven otherwise. I Because, again, if you're the Niners, it doesn't make sense on day one to give him everything he wants. And if you're CAA, you're not doing that. Well, Showing up with nothing. Well, see, like last year, once the details of Roquan came out, you're like, you know what? This makes a little sense. Like, can you... Remember, he wanted to be paid if he got suspended for crown of the helmet hits like that was one thing so i get suspended for playing hard which you want me to do and then they dock me a game like i get suspended for a game you still have to pay me for that game because i'm playing the way you want me to play that's like that's a legitimate negotiating like their agent like i I understood both sides on that one i actually kind of made me side with roquan i'm a little pro employee here for middle cough to me the joey (laughs) the joey and the nick thing is ridiculous because all about dates just different dates when the dates are kind of set, everyone else goes with it. It'd be one thing if the dates were like screwing over your guy somehow. Or remember like the Kaepernick deal, like they can cut you at date. That's not what this is about. It's literally about cash flow payments and every other player signs it. It's like a normal protocol. And you argue that you should be different. Why? Because your dad got screwed over in the 80s? I, I, I'm sorry. Like I... I, 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 but again, you're talking to a not a big Nick Bosa guy, so it's like I'm already I'm looking for a reason, and and part of the yeah, reason I don't think I liked him was because I knew that this is part of it. It's just like they're always a pain in the ass, and jo- like okay, and, and, but I'm Al Davis enough to be like, well, Joey's so goddamn good, I'll deal with the pain in the ass. I I don't think Nick's that good. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. And when I say not that good, like I don't think he's gonna be some elite player. 
But yeah, I'll deal with a Khalil Max holdout. Uh, hell, you know, if, if DeForest Buckner didn't show up for training camp, like, where's my extension? I'd be like, I get it. I'm, I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs> and, and part of it is he, he hurt his hamstring in OTAs. I was already looking at him a little funny, but that completely, I, I'm over the ledge on that one. Because again, it wasn't like some freak deal, even though this guy always gets hurt. Like, I get it, because I bet, I bet uh, Jimmy Ward goes, I can't catch a break. I'm literally diving to make a play in OTAs to prove these guys, like, listen, you guys invested in me. I'm, gonna, I'm going 24-7, 365, hauling ass, flying around, making plays. And I put out my arm, and a guy falls on, and I broke my collarbone. Like, I can live with that. But basic football on a stick, just boop, <laughs> dude's jumping up, and your hamstring goes. Like, th- that was, I mean, my jaw hit the floor the way he got hurt. Now, part of it, I, I would imagine his camp, and I know Joey... Also coming off of an injury, I know factors in there, But too. I think Joey had said, like, you know, because Joey got his back, saying, you know, he probably shouldn't have been practicing. And maybe that's fair. I, uh, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have been. But I... I just mean that he's coming off an injury in college affects the way you look at him, too, when you stack it oh, up. But, but I'm saying, uh, 100% agree, that should Nick have even been in practice coming off this hernia injury... But the Niners would say, well, he's been full go at, first day, com- you know. yeah, at combine. But he had just practiced at rookie minicamp. So, you know, it's one of those things. Dude, sometimes guys just get hurt. And Buckner never gets hurt. I mean, Nick's been hurt three times in 2019 and we haven't played a game yet. That's my problem. It's like, how often is this guy going to get injured? It, it does feel, and this is my biggest apprehension just on the Niners in general. Like, if the Raiders are going to be shitty, it'll just be because they play bad. Like, if the Niners are going to be shitty, it's just going to be like Jimmy, D. Ford, and Bosa don't play. It, it'll it'll be, yeah, it'll be, um, it'll look bad. It'll look bad because a bunch of stuff will be, it'll be active. It'll be an active bad. It'll be like, are you telling me then the same game, D. Ford, Jimmy, and DeForest got carded off? It'll be like that type moment. Because it's the the deflating feeling when a guy gets, when you know, it's one thing to like kind of shake it off and run to the sideline. Uh, even though I was watching a little bit at the All or Nothing cam last night. I was kind of bored, just flipped it on the iPad. Is it good? I just watched, yeah, actually it's not bad. Actually paints cam and kind of, he's a little more playful and probably likable if he's your I teammate. saw the cam clip with Josh Norman. It was pretty funny. It was hilarious. And, and Keekly. Well, the first game of the season, and I, that must have been like way later in the season, Greg Olson, who the pre, this is, I keep saying 2019, but it's actually based on two, last year's season, had broken his foot in 17. He had come back fully healed. And then midway through week one, he'd already caught multiple passes. You realize, like, God, Greg Olson's really good. Breaks his foot again. And he's walking to the sideline. He's like, God damn it, I broke my foot again. <laughs> and I, I start thinking like, it is kind of crazy how many comments get made on a sideline. No wonder they don't let a lot of people on the sideline. Like, how fast shit would get out. Like, stuff doesn't get out immediately all the time in football. Mm. Like, you know, he's questionable for the next couple of weeks. Turns out he's had a broken foot the whole time. Right. But just things like that, where if you were watching the game and a Panthers fan, you're like, what's up with Olsen? He's out of the game. But it's not quite as deflating when he kind of jogs off, even though that I think that, that foot injury cost him the majority of last year and definitely the first couple months. But the, the Niners get guys carted off 
The Niners have to have used the cart more than any team in the league the last two years. The cart. It's like a bullpen. Yeah, the cart. And now it doesn't top the... Uh, the. Do you think the cart to pick up Derek at the broken ankle will ever be topped when they made him sit shotgun instead of in the back? <laughs> uh, no, that was an all-time... That was pretty incredible. In all your years of watching football, college and NFL, have you ever seen a human get in the front seat of the cart, the injured player? The front seat. No, it's like making somebody with crutches sit in the middle seat on an airplane. It's just... Isn't the cart... The I've point of the cart it. is the human can lay down in the back of the cart? Yeah, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> Even let him hang off the back where he's not all scrunched up sitting straight up, right? It, it was... And I'm pretty sure the cart... Didn't he hobble to the cart? Like, the cart didn't even come pick him up because he got on it on the sideline. Yeah, I think his teammates helped him there. Yeah. Where... Looking back, what they should have done is left him on the ground, right? The cart come and pick him up. So you never, ever, and what turns out his leg snapped, the cart should have came to pick him up and put him in the back of the cart. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. They put Derek in the front of the cart. And you can tell, like, even he like had his pads on. It was kind of a tight fit. It's like, it's, it's like they were asking him if he wanted to drive. He's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, what about Zeke, John? Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott. The the uh, I think the do the Cowboys they might be Thursday they're Thursday or Friday Oxnard too. Oxnard baby and um, a PF Florio wrote on uh, Saturday night that somebody told him that Zeke not only might Zeke not go and hold out Zeke might go out of the country for vacation <laughs> but he might not but he might like it feels like that just got floated out there to try and put pressure on the Cowboys. Well, but can you imagine if the Cowboys are practicing and there's photos of you know Zeke and Cabo wherever he would go. Well, remember when he got um, suspended, where he he went to Cabo for six weeks. He trained, but that's where he stayed. But it's like, dude, you just had a meeting with the commissioner two weeks ago, a week ago. Guy, he he's been in trouble like five times since he's been in the NFL. He was drafted number four overall. I did the math yesterday. His fifth-year option, which they've already picked up and would gladly pay, is $9 million. At the end of his five years, he'll have made $33.5 million. So that's an average for his first five years at running back. Now, he's been probably exceeded that, but he's made $7 million basically on average. Maybe it plays out to like 6.8. But 6.8 as a rookie who's constantly been in trouble. So this guy has not been... Devontae Freeman or David Johnson, where he worked his first three years for 700K average. That's not taking place here. The other curveball here is not only has he been met with a commissioner now countless times, he was once suspended and Jerry flipped out and got into a fight with the commissioner. Remember, there were some reports like, yeah, this is this is getting even crazier than Kraft and the commissioner. Like, this is. Like, is he going to force Roger out? Remember, there was some crazy story. This was 2000, would have been two years ago, 17, when he got those six-game suspension. People were like, yeah, this is, he's crossed the line with Jerry, Roger. It's like, Zeke, this guy's had your back every step of the way. He's paid you pretty well. He's the reason you got drafted there, and you're going to hold out? Like, do you agree with this? Social media and just the media in general, sports media, is very pro-player. But I don't see how you take a stance on this, even if you're just don't cover the Cowboys or whatever, and you're just you usually get the players back where you support Zeke on this one. Like this to me should be universal. Like Zeke's an idiot; he should be there. This is an embarrassment 
It, it, what could be the counter to that? The get the bag crew. Uh, yeah, and just the you're running back. When you're running back, you're always being taken advantage of. I, I can't see, too, how the tough part about being an NFL player, like in Zeke's position, is you got so much money year one, right? Like his cash year one was $16.8 million. Yeah, they pay you that check. His cash year two was one. 0.025 then last year it was 2.7 and then this year it's 3.8 you're like i can get used to the 16.8 especially when i think i'm worth like i got the 16.8 and then i look like one of the best players in the league so they're gonna run me into the ground because they know i'm already signed up for next year and who knows what even happens the year like are they gonna keep me around like this is the time to pay me right now well, right now is the time to pay well, me but to your if i go back to your point for a second though yeah i think sometimes uh, people forget that the leagues exist for fundamentally, like for for the fans. Like the leagues don't exist, even though for the owners, because they're in charge, the leagues do exist for them to make money. But the leagues don't just exist for the players to get everything they can possibly get. The leagues, at the end of the day, exist for the fans. And uh, I think that gets lost. I think in the media that people lose sight of that. Well, they, they guy, the owners can't make any money if the fans and people like me and you growing up diehard sport do not exist. Like they, their only ability, like this whole thing is based on those people. But I, but back to Zeke specifically in a vacuum, he has a legitimate gripe if he had conducted himself like Larry Fitzgerald. But not only has he not been on the good side, he's been their biggest pain in the ass by a mile these last several years. He has been suspended for six games. And then where this offseason, it felt like he had kind of turned his life around. Even though you watch the video, to me, closer to innocuous than like he's a trouble guy at the Vegas thing. But when you have drip, 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 like Zeke, you can't have that happen. Like that can't happen to you when you're in a contract. Yeah, right. There's a difference between you're a bad guy and just, dude, why can't you just... Just stay. Why can't you just avoid? But I'll give you another one, guy. Sometimes when the media gets the players back, it's because ultimately the organization will have no problem screwing them. I won't disagree with that. They will, because again, a business, you try to buy low, sell high. You try to ultimately screw, not screw over, but financially, yeah, financially win the deal. I do not think that's the case here, where you go, Does Jerry not want to pay Zeke or want Zeke on his team? I don't think any person that follows football, let alone the Cowboys, would say, you know, he's going to run him in the ground and get rid of him. He wants this guy to be like his next Emmitt Smith. Jerry was the person. Remember, the argument in the draft room was a lot of the scouts, and it made sense, like wanted Jalen Ramsey, who would have been a pain in the ass too. But Jerry's like, no, we want Zeke. And he got it right. Mm -hmm. And like, this guy's been an, an unreal player. Honestly, guy, he's one of my favorite players in the league. Because he does, he's just, running back's my favorite position. And you could argue he's just the most complete because he's a hammer blocking. He can run inside, he can run outside, he can catch. He's an elite player. But you don't get to act like an idiot and then do these crazy demands. Like, I I just hope the media, and I I, I actually think a lot of people are going to be like, what's Zeke doing? Like, you've been in way too much trouble. Like, you don't get to hold out when you've been in that much trouble. To me, the, the take is universal. Zeke's in the wrong the Cowboys are in you, the right, right? Do you think if he had not been in any trouble, they would they would sign him, they would extend him right like now? If he had just acted like Frank Gore or something, yes, one thousand percent, he would be. And yeah. I, I honestly think they would pay him like where most teams are like, yeah, girly money. That deal's 
Don't even, don't even think that deal even matters anymore, right? It's just that's an albatross. I think they would. You mean because Todd has arthritis? In yeah, I knee? think they would just give him the girly deal and feel good about it, or give him hell fifty million. Like they love him, but they don't because he's a pain in their ass. And now, to me, clearly, like Charles Robinson, I think started this story. And remember when Zeke was getting suspended, he he must be tight with the agent. Like the agent playing this way to me is stupid. Like you're going through the media to like push around Jerry after you've been in trouble. Like, is that the way you're doing business? I, I and Jerry clearly loves you. I, you know what I've become, guy. And I know a couple agents that I like, but for the most part, like in me, like I don't know any agents. And I, I can tell when I follow uh, reporters. That's all they talk to. They're usually the very, very pro player when their number one contacts are agents. Maybe I'm a little more pro management because most people that I talk to work on that side. But I also know that they're not. Every, do you know what every management wants, guy? Especially in the NFL, and it probably works for any sport. Maybe a little different in baseball. Basketball, it's clear once you once you hit on a player, you're going to sign him anyway. But in football, it's like because money, non-quarterback, you got to be a little careful here and there. But when you hit on a draft pick, what's the number one thing you want to be able to do? Sign that guy and keep him. Right? You want to nail picks and then keep him as your core guy in his prime. Like that's that's the goal. Their their goal is not to like kick that guy to the wolves and like hate on the guy. They want the guy, the players they draft, to be awesome because they look better. And then they get contracts. That's their goal. We're all the right, and awesome players are expensive. Yeah, so it does get complicated in a salary cap league. But the agent's number one goal always is to just get their client the most cash because they make money. That's the only thing they care about. They don't give a shit if he's a shithead. They don't care how he fits in the system. They just care about the most money. It's why you see so often just in pro sports, like, God, why would this guy want to play there? Well, because they offer him the most money, and his agent fucking said, we're going here. You know, and then he talks the player into it. I I think that happens a lot. Because I I do think people underestimate players from like, do I really want to play there? And then they go, well, listen, it's so much more money, and you can talk yourself into it. But players aren't dumb. Yeah, and they're like, look, you've got three, you got four more peak earning years. You just, we got to do this, especially in the NFL. So I, I, right. I, I even think guys, Zeke, I said this earlier, like has a legitimate argument. Like the time is now. Yeah, the time is now, and it was now, Zeke, until you got called to the commissioner's office two weeks ago. How can I feel comfortable giving you Todd Gurley money, which we feel you're worth? When you act and do stupid shit 24-7 at any moment, it can pop up. I don't trust you. So tell your agent, send you to Cabo, he's an idiot. And Jerry, Middlecoff's going to back if no one else in the... Because am I, I going to read comments like by Saturday like, Zeke's doing the right thing, he's got to get the bag. And I'm not talking from fans, because I think Dallas Cowboy fans are going to be pissed. Because most of them are going to have some common sense like, this is ridiculous. Bro, you just met with the commissioner. It's like, it's like the kid who gets in trouble... And then you ask your parents the next day to like go on a sleepover. No, John, you're grounded for the week. You're not going anywhere. Like Zeke, you just got grounded. Just lay low for a minute. I, I think this tactic is stupid. Or sh- or show up. How about don't even lay low. Just show. Remember up. Remember what a couple years ago is diff- a lot different. But like the Raiders with Donald Penn, they were just like Donald, just show up from your holdout. And we'll pay you. And they showed up and he got paid. And I think yeah. a lot of teams. Yeah. And Andy said the same thing about Chris Jones. Like we're not going to negotiate with you when you're not here. We're not, because again, we drafted you. We're not looking to screw you. This, this, this notion. Now, Belichick might. Well, especially them. Like, the, the Cowboys have not treated Zeke publicly 
like a guy they're trying to get every bit of leverage over, right? Like they have said publicly, he's the most important player to our team. Do you think we've jumped the shark a little bit just in general, though, that most teams are trying to screw their players? Because I feel that's a pretty strong narrative uh, now, like on the Twitter streets. Just Yeah, I don't even, uh, like, yeah, I don't. But my, I don't. My, that, that to me falls in the same category of like everybody that works for the NCAA hates the kids, like is trying to steal from the kids. Like, yeah, a lot of people are making the money off the kids, and I think the kids should make money. But, like, I've worked with, and you have worked with, a lot of coaches and administ- people who really do care about. Like, I, I put that in the same category. Like, I don't even anyone, – anyone who's been in it knows that's not true to a degree. Football – the problem – just, I think – I don't think it's screw the players. I agree with you there. I just think you're always trying to just balance – you're looking ahead two, three years. You're just trying to leave yourself enough room for everybody because you've got a cap to deal with. I think it's a lot of that. But I even mean like, and I think because football players get hurt a lot. Well, one especially at running back. But I, I I think for the most part, Zeke's on the high end of talent. But just like salt, when you draft a solid starter, now the Ravens are different. The Ravens let every guy walk. Most teams, unless you have to pay them just like Khalil Mack money, and even then, like every team in the league was clearly willing to do that. They want to keep their solid players that they draft. So once they draft you, I think most general managers, and whether you know them personally or just listen to them talk, the message is pretty consistent. And you'd say, yeah, for the most part, unless a new coach comes in, but if they have the same coach and the same GM, they want to build around the guys they draft. I I think that's something like everyone in football, no one cares about anybody. No, if you look around the league, most teams give second contracts to starters that they draft consistently. I'd say 90% of starters in the NFL that are drafted by that GM get a second contract. And I think that the, the notion in football is just like, they just throw you, look at Belichick. Like, who's his core? A bunch of guys that he, Edelman, I mean, beside Brady. McCourty, Gronk. I mean, uh, some of the offensive linemen. Now, I don't count, when you acquire a guy, it's a little different. Like, to Gruden, Antonio Brown, there's not going to be as much loyalty to, to Kyle and even like a Jimmy Garoppolo for sure. But like the guys Kyle has drafted, um, try, like they, in theory, they want Solomon Thomas to be well, good. I'll give you an example. Now Gruden with all if, these players he's drafted these last couple years. If I'll give you an example. If Madison Bumgarner was a career L.A. Angel and the Giants signed him to a five-year, 100 and $50 million contract after this free, this free agency. That would feel very differently than the Giants signing him to, to overpaying him after he was a Giant. It's just, it's always just going to be different well, now, even when you're not, not to the level of success that Bumgarner's had. Because when he's your, it's, you are, you are capitalizing on your own success when you sign your own player. Well, I, I use Belichick as an example. And I, I think Howie gets thrown in there too. Like those are like, they'll just, they're so good with economics. They'll get look at the players, and you can even say Parag. Look at the players over Parag's tenure. A lot of those guys were in house. The guys they second contract. Look at Howie Roseman's roster: Fletcher Cox drafted, Brandon Graham drafted, Kelsey drafted, Foles they brought back, who originally Eagles drafted. Obviously Wentz. You know they, 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 these teams, especially the good players. That's literally how you win. So to think that the Cowboys. We'll just kick Zeke to the curb. It's just blatantly just not true. Now, if he got shattered his knee, would they try to get out? Yeah. 
That's and that's the part that yeah, there's an element there. But like, I'm sorry, Zeke, you, okay, you're, that's... your leverage is limited when you constantly have to meet with Roger. Because you know who doesn't right. ever have to meet with Roger? I don't know, Amari, uh, Dak, all these other guys that we uh, Jalen Smith. They also have to be paid. You know what they do? They don't. We don't ever think about them in life. <laughs> they just besides like what the game plan is. What are they doing at night? I don't know. Amari's probably at home sleeping. What do you think Dak's doing? I don't know. He's probably out with his girlfriend, living well, normal. But, but again, even if he's John, but that's the thing. That's my point. On even if he's not at home sleeping, he's just not doing something that ends up on TMZ. Yeah, he's just he's just like, living. You can a be life. not at home yeah. sleeping. You can be out having a really good time and not getting in trouble for it. Like there is a line you can get. You can way beyond sleeping that includes drinking and includes strip clubs and includes all kinds of stuff that doesn't involve you getting in trouble. Like people have walked that line through the NFL for a long time. I heard Albert. Like, there's I, not like that. You don't have to be just at home wearing headphones. Or the alternative is be meeting with Roger Goodell. There's an in between. You know what's funny is I heard Albert Breer on an interview a while back. It's the first time I've ever thought about this. He's like, I think a lot of people and a lot of NFL fans, because if you like follow the league, like social media, whatever, you're like, Roger Goodell, too much power, too much power. And he's like, you know, the majority of the players in the league, like not just, I'm not talking 51%. I'm talking like 98%, 99%. Not only never get in trouble, they never, ever sniff a meeting with Roger Goodell. So this notion that the player PA is like, we got to take the power away. Well, the majority, again, 98% of players, why do they even give a shit? Like, no, I'm not giving it on that. That's a bargaining power. Like, we'll just let them have that. that it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect most of the league. It affects Zeke. Hey, Zeke, don't be an idiot. It doesn't affect the rest of us. Like, I think a lot of people, and I find myself thinking that's going to be a good point. That's going to be a point of contention. For who? Not the majority of the players. They don't, yeah, give Roger the. We don't get in trouble. A small, small, small percentage of players get in trouble. And yeah, they get screwed by, quote unquote, his ability to be a dictator. But again, like, you think Tom Brady cares? You think Rogers cares? You think Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, Tom cared on Deflate Gate. Yeah. True, but that was kind right. of an outlier situation. But yeah. He, but yeah, he, that's he part of the 2% yeah. or the 1%. Yeah, he would have cared. So I. I don't know. I. That's a very good. That's a great point. Who is no, really who is point. more likely to hold that? If you had to be like, by Saturday, are they both holding out? Is one in camp, or are they both there? Zeke and Bosa. I think both are holding out. You think Zeke Elliott's going to hold out? I I still find that a little hard to believe. You think he's going to get money? No. I, or you think he's just? Gonna I, I think show Jerry's going to tell him like. This is ridiculous. Hey, man, show up, and this will be like the Donald Penn thing. Show up, do the right thing, you'll get taken care of. The one curveball that the Cowboys consistently have is like Lynch or Parag or Gruden. I mean, Gruden hates agents, but, uh, you know, even Belichick. Like, they can get on the phone with the agent. The guy that owns the team can get on the phone with Zeke and be like, and have a man-to-man conversation. And I, I don't know if that happens that much in the NFL where it consists. Right. I mean, Jerry's the isn't his title the GM too? <laughs> like he's you know. well, he is the bo- he is like the boss in the way the owner all owners are bosses, but then he actually acts you know like players view him that way. Like could Jed get on the phone to Nick? He wouldn't want no. It wouldn't do them any good. Yeah, he wouldn't want to. It wouldn't serve them. I mean, he could, but it wouldn't actually be where the deal gets. It done. would probably be counterproductive. Maybe. I mean, it could be. It just wouldn't be. Yeah, I just 
It wouldn't uh, be productive. It, you know, remember remember Parag telling us when he walked up to Alex Smith in the uh, cafeteria when Parag was on this podcast last year, and they had the Alex Smith deal, and they had drafted Alex but they didn't have a contract, and he walked up to Alex in line in the team cafeteria and was like, "Hey man, we're we're getting close. We're working. On, we're going to get you in here soon, or we're going to make it official soon, or whatever the deal was." And uh, the agent, who was the, whoever the agent was, called Tom, was like, "Do Tom, not Tom nego- Condon. Do not talk to my client." <laughs> Well, there's no way Tom Condon would have done the same thing to Jerry. And Parag yeah, even and, said, like, I was young, man. I was, uh, I was actually nervous. Yeah, I might Parag get fired. now isn't getting yelled at for that. Didn't Parag right. say, like, I got it. Am I going to lose my job over this? He was a little nervous. <laughs> it was like his second year at the job. Uh, all right. Can, can we talk, you want to talk to some uh, MLB real quick here? I, the day we did our discussion about what happens in extra innings, the Giants, I was like, are they going 16 innings again tonight? Friday night? That game went, went to the 10th, right? Yeah. Um, and they won it on a just the Mets dropped the pop up or never even had a chance to catch the pop up. Uh, but we got some feedback. Somebody somebody DM'd you. Was his name Sean? That he wants to do a home run derby in extra innings. The one the one actually thing one I of the guys address, we we saw uh, at the U.S. Open. One of the crews. I don't like home run derby in extra innings to solve extra innings. But are people watching? Uh, I see. I, I don't even think it's that. To me, is not even. Like it, we're just all high on the derby we just saw, and we think derby, like a derby in the tenth inning is fun. I think that's that, that to me is horrific. I would take putting a runner. At, I'd put three runners at third base before I did a home run derby. Uh, and if and if we're in a meeting and you know it was like uh, all right, we're putting runner at second. Guy, are you in or you out? I'd be like, well, look, I don't have a choice. My suggestion would be though, let's put him at first instead of second because even first base has a great chance to score and it keeps you. Somebody DM me. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm not going to dive back into the DMs here to find who it was. So I apologize. But it said, "Hey, the problem with second base is two sack flies and the run scores, and that's that seems cheap." So that was just the follow up there. But what you, I'll let you address that. What I really want to say was this: we got a, a tweet from Corbin who listens to the podcast. I think in Australia, and this is what he said: "Don't take this the wrong way. I'm just giving feedback after that mammoth debate about baseball. Baseball is hell boring. I think he means hella." And if you're going to debate something for 30 minutes, make it the NFL or the NBA. Uh, this is what I love about podcasts, John. Like one of, to me, the purest benefits that podcasts have over traditional and ter- terrestrial radio, which is that in radio, time exists and it's the driving force behind a lot of what happens when you listen to radio. Time. The amount of time spent talking about something is a big, 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 big deal in radio. You have to listen for five minutes to get credit for a quarter hour at least. You have to go back to those topics over the course of a three- or four-hour show because you want the topics with the widest net, so you're repeating yourself and you're trying to catch as many people as possible. In you, can't, podcast, you can't talk about certain things because people will tune you out in certain markets, so you can't even bring them up. Yeah. In podcast, time does not matter in a podcast. Time is fluid. And we, the host of the, pod, the podcast, don't really control time. You, the listener, controls time. You, the listener, decides if you're going to fast forward, if you're going to pause, if you're going to rewind. You, the listener, cannot like a subject we're talking about. And in radio, if you don't like the topic, you change the channel because you don't really know what's next. In a podcast, you can just fast forward by 15 minutes. And this, I'm not lecturing. Like I appreciate Corbett's feedback for people that feel like it. I'm just, it gave me an opportunity to share what I think a great. So I'm never going to apologize for 50 minutes of 
a topic that is niche because I know you can just skip it. And that, to me, is one of the great beauties of podcasts. Is it's just so... For, I think it's better for everyone. I think it's better for the listener because of that. I think it's better for the host because I... Like, if this was radio, John, the conversation we had about golf to start the podcast, we would... We've done this. We're at an hour and twenty-two minutes of this podcast. We would be doing the golf conversation again in five minutes. Coming up after this, um, and th- that's not good for anybody. So, Corbin hates baseball. That's totally fine. Well, t- that's cool. well. Two things. One is we got a pretty good idea what works and what doesn't work, and what resonates and what topics. And obviously, the NFL is king, and NBA shit. People are just interested in movement. It's also July when we did it. It was like the 15th or 18th or whatever. There's not much going on. It was Friday, yeah. So it's like if I'm ever going to have the topic, it's going to be in the middle of July. Like we ain't doing this fucking October 1st on a Monday, right? So it's it's kind of, it's just the time. If we were ever going to do the topic, it'll be around that time of year, every year. <laughs> and it just had come up because it, a, a wise man once taught me, talk about something obviously that a lot of people are going to listen to, but what you're fired up on. And I was legitimately, I'm not pulling that topic out of my ass. I had watched the game, and I couldn't stay up for it. I Because I, the Giants had wrote me back in, and I'd watched 1 through 14, and then I, I couldn't take it anymore. And then they wanted extras, and it was, you know, it pissed off. I didn't get to see it. And two, the home run derby, a little extreme. But I do think, okay, let's even take the, se- okay, no runner on second. That's not even an option, because you're right, that's, that is not the nature of the game. But I do think you could do this pretty easily. Once extra innings start, you can just bat whoever you want. And I think that's one where you still got to get a hit. You still got to get on base. But I can just fucking hit whoever I want. Now, you can't hit. You'd have to bat around in an inning. Like, you got, you can only use nine people. Like, your orders, you know, the order's the order on that given inning. So, I can't bat Mike Trout three straight times. Or, I was going to say Buster Posey. But Posey's, I mean, Posey have no power. But you just you can bat whoever you want. That, that, that to me, that's not that crazy, what if, is it? Uh, could you? Could so I, I talk you make me that? think a million things here? What? So I, you know, I could see we reset the order like in the ten. No reset. I just we I get s- to create an order every inning. Oh, every inning I create. So every inning I bat Trout second. You're you're like yeah tenth eleventh. I, I can just do whatever I want. No, I don't like that. Um. You could convince me, like, when you go to extras, maybe you reset, like, if we're if the seven hitters do up in the 10th, I can actually go to my leadoff man in the 10th. Um, uh, I don't like just creating every inning my own, the same order over but and over But ideally, we're not going to go every inning. I, get, I want to end this thing. That's part of it. It's well, why, yeah, it's why football, no, uh, overtime, you want the thing of to Of course, but I, but I don't, no, I, yeah, that, that to me is too much of a... Uh, bastardization of, of the batting order. Like, what about this? What if you did... The batting order is play, part of the players problem. Players would hate this. But what if you did this? Like, because, you know, you can't re-enter a game as a player. What if, instead of saying, when you sub out of a game, you never come back, you just have to be out of a game for nine innings? So the longer a game goes, the more player Like, players start becoming available as a game goes on. If you end up in the 15th, the... You know, like, you pinch ran for... For see Buster guy, in the see, ninth. See, guy, you, you, you're already part of the problem. I want no part. I never want to see a 15 inning game again. Well, I know. I, I understand. We I want understand this thing it. to I'm end. I'm just wondering if there's a way to bring play. Okay, 
but we don't want it to end just to end. Like we have to end it and take out any actual enjoyment. Well, it's, of the game. it's, it's like uh, so, why they do shootouts in hockey. You know, it's why you do sudden death. No, in again, golf. so th- I was about to get to shootouts. So if you did the thing where you just were able to remake your lineup every extra inning or whatever, you wouldn't do it in the tenth because that's not how hockey works either. But to me, those stats couldn't count. Like your the home run you hit with your fifth at bat of the extra innings. Why not? Uh, that can't that stat can't count. That home run can't count. In hockey, do your goals from shootouts count? No. I no. Yeah. I don't think I, so. I couldn't have your RBI from you've batted in the eleventh, the twelfth, the thirteenth, and the fourteenth to lead off every inning. Okay, so I, have, like I, I, every other guy. I, in the I could, I could, I could even live. Eight. I could even live with that because I was thinking I even more extreme. Uh, to me, that's an easy one. Take your, we take there. your, but I, I, take your fastest runner, and you go pole to pole in the outfield, and you do a race <laughs> with the uh, with the freeze. Because now you like you're gonna build lineups. You're gonna build rosters that have like these specialty players on them, just in case you end up in. No, but you don't go to. Extras I would. That much. I think I haven't really, huh. I don't think you go to extras that much, just in general. So I don't think it would change yeah, the lineup well, construction. I think I think I'd have to think about this. I think I'd rather have a runner at first base to start the eleventh than to re just to get to bat my best players every inning in the in extras. Uh, uh I, yeah. I mean, I, I would, sure I would, I, I would that. be in favor of you get to reset your order in the tenth. In the tenth, you just start over. In the first inning. What about I in mean, tie games? You can order. put up. You get one batter. You can throw up anyone you want in the ninth. No, not in the ninth. So you're still you're still you're still a little rigid. You got to just be open minded. No, but see, this is what I go back to the last point, and this is what always pisses me off about these arguments: is like hating some of the ideas doesn't mean you hate change. I just hate that idea. You, you, no, but your rigidity around the the elements of the sport that have been going on since like the 1800s are just refused to ever entertain. Like this is not going to, we got to change dramatically maybe like in basketball doesn't necessarily have to change that much because the pace and everything just kind of works like this. No, but again, hating an idea does not mean I hate change. It just means I hate that that idea to me. The fundamental reason I hate that idea is part of the beauty of any sport really is that like if you were creating the field for a major tournament, you would only put the best, golfers in it well what about when some unknown out of nowhere uh part of the beauty of sports is when the guy that you don't think is going to get the game winning hit in the ninth inning gets the game winning hit in the ninth inning yeah but even in a major like of 150 people or whatever the number is when you start yeah that's a bad that's a bad example i'm just saying like I, sometimes your eight hitter gets the game winning hit and that's part of the beauty of sports yeah that's why i you wouldn't hold me to it in the night i'm just open to it in the 10th i'd be open to anything in the 10th the home run derby is probably a little ridiculous but just reset your lineup runner on second to me all that stuff should be on the table then you run some studies and find out like what makes it the most competitive slash fun you know yeah and my point is not being open to ever all of these ideas doesn't mean you're not open to change. true there's just a, there just seems like a rigidity because there's you know pushback no, in basketball, i think it matters that well no i think baseball, it matters that football. the people who i think it matters that people who actually like care about some of the basic f- threads of the game like have a, an opinion on yeah it. and see our argument always is like you know from a radio standpoint you're listening no matter what like you're watching no matter what i need to get the people that are on the fringe that have checked out i need to get them back sure and i think you can still do that but i i i to me the idea that the people who care the most about a sport's opinions matter the less 
the least is dumb. I know. Sometimes that's unfair. And there's a balance of like, if I completely change and you go away, then I'm just back to where I started from. Right. Yeah. And, but you're right. I mean, if I like truly like that probably wouldn't happen. Right. The people who love it the most wouldn't go away. But I also think there's something about like treat your core audience with some respect too. Even though, just because you know they're never going to leave. Like, you think if you, you think change. of baseball this offseason announced that starting in extra innings, you can just reset your lineup in any order you want. Let's just say that. Now, you got to stick to it 10th, 11th, but you can just reset it. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to change it, you can bring guys back into the game, whatever. Just no holds bar. You think there would be a lot of pushback from old school people with that? I don't know if there would be that much. Like, that, that yeah, doesn't seem that You know extreme. what? There might not be, and... And it might that might it might be go to your point like are it are you even getting any attention for that like if the point is the point to end the game as fast as possible or is the point to end the game as fast as possible and get a bunch of attention for how you're changing the game perfect world you get right perfect world you get both you perfect world you get both the the lineup idea might not even move the needle that like much. I, I think the NFL it might not end games that much faster no, it, and it, it might, might not, not move I, I think the, the NFL does the best job of making something sound really important and making a lot of people care while ultimately trying to kind of get it right and do what's best for the sport and then trying to meet somewhere like in the middle. Well, yeah, no, you're right. Here's like the NFL uh, to me is the the king of, you know what we're thinking about doing? 18 games. Yeah. We're going to, yeah. Or just, and they float it out. You know what we're thinking about doing is you can bring instead of one guy off IR this year, seven people. And then they just float it out. And then they end up meeting with like three. Or you know what we're thinking about well, doing? Is making our rosters 60 guys on game day. No, go with the 18-game one because it was like 18 games, but every player can only play 16. It's like, wait, what? Well, so I go to Lambeau and A-Rod can't play today? That one was extreme. <laughs> but it was out there, like you're, to your point. Well, this is where like baseball's ad campaign, let the kids play. Well, because you know what the NFL was fun. doing? Like, okay, you guys are super big on safety. We'll throw you one. We'll get you extra money, but you can't play in two of this. Two of the 18 games. People are like, what? Well, but this is where I go back to like, this is bad for the fan. This isn't good for the fans. Like, folks, we're getting rid of the preseason. Yeah, but I'm going to a game without the quarterbacks. Well, but do you, so what's do, the difference? But do you agree that when they decided to leak that, in no world, Roger Goodell and those people that care about money, they would never want their star players to not to play. But they're like, this will rile them of up. Of course. <laughs> well, I know. It was right to your point. But, like, the let the kids – you know what ads were kind of bothering me? Hey, hey Roger, you want one... to pour water on the fire? No, let's pour a little gasoline. Let's watch them. Let's watch yeah, them. Yeah, they're like, no one will take this idea. You trust me. Just throw it out there. It's July, Guy, guy it caught uh, on. I, I saw. I listened to podcasts. People were talking about I, it. I, I saw people, like, opining about it on Twitter. People had opinions. No, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, the, the ad that I don't like right now is the one – the baseball ad that I don't like right now is the one that uh, there's, there's a few of them, but it's like they started doing the all-star game and the trout one is a big one where it's like, I, I, all I want to do is play. Have you seen these? I've seen the trout one. Yes. Where it's like, it shows him as a kid and it goes, he goes through his whole life story. And then the end it's like, I just want to play. It's like, th- that's not actually. Oh, cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We, everyone just wants to be left alone, <laughs> but this is not part like, and I'm not hard line like Trout needs to be crazy, but like, be just doing the thing where it's just like I just want to be left alone and play is not actually. Well, see, like, no see, one's coming see, to I watch. Did, I didn't take. Tr- I took Trout's message more of like, you should really like this guy because he's not into all the BS. 
even though the one thing they're leaving out, you know that when his contract's over, he'll have been paid like $500 million to play baseball. So, yeah, he wants to play, but he also likes making his $470 million of total income. Yeah, but I don't. No, I know, but I'm saying the, the angle is trying to be like, we're just good people just playing ball. To me, the angle should for sure. To me, the angle should have been more like, like why it was so cool for him when he was a kid, maybe, and trying to like incorporate kids into the ads, and then had it. No, to me, the angle is this is maybe the greatest player that's ever played. That's the angle. Like and embrace this is maybe the greatest player that's ever played. That's the angle. Like I don't know what other angle you need. Yeah. Okay, I, that's not a dumb idea. You remember Tigers was Hello World? Like I'm here, let's roll. Yeah, yes. Like they, night they, Tiger embraced that, right? You remember the one that was? I just happened to watch this one the other day. It was like all the guys are on a roll because Tiger's gone. I forget all the golfers that were in it, but it was like life is. Good. Well, it was like random. It was, it was like, like Furyk. Yeah, it was like rainbows and sunshine. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly what it was. And then Tiger comes back in the locker room. He's like, "What's up, guys?" And like, oh. Hey Tiger. It was a really good ad. Yeah, it was really good. But I mean, these are. But my point is just like doing the "I love baseball and I'm a good guy" is great, and I fundamentally really respect that. But I just want to play ball. Like the NBA, and well, let's use the NBA. Part of the reason the NBA blows up everywhere is because it's a bunch of guys doing more than just playing ball. Yeah, I would agree. You know, the one funny part in the Tiger Woods book, I, I might be butchering this story a little bit. Tiger's first ever tournament was like the John Deere Classic or the Honda Classic or whatever when he declared to go pro. In his opening press conference, the ad, he'd already shot the ad for Nike, but I think they were going to release it after the tournament, so like on a Monday morning, right? And to go kind of viral. I mean, I don't even know what you did back in 97, but they, it hadn't been released to the public. So media members, and he opens up his first press conference. So he's like 21 years, 20 years old. And he just go. He tried to be funny. He's like, "Hello, world!" And he started chuckling. But all the reporters were like, "What is he talking about?" And then everyone yeah. got it. You know, like four days later, but he's like, "Hello, world!" Because he realized, like, because I guess the Nike ad guy was like, "This is gonna blow people away," <laughs> and it did. I mean, you're right. No, I. That's pretty great. I, maybe what Major League Baseball needs to do is just hire someone from Nike to make them an ad. Because you're because you're like yeah he wants to play yeah he's a baseball he's Mike Trout well, of course he just wants to keep playing he's better than everyone but make there an angle where it's kind of cool and it resonates like their their ad remember back like chicks dig the long ball that was cool that's cooler than anything these yeah. guys are doing their ads again yeah. they just a little too many people like you a little too much rigidity and I think they struggle but with you it. keep saying that you keep saying that because you like poking me but it's but not, it's not even uh, just but poking. I'm not I mean, rig- just, I'm you fall I'm the, open to like I'm, you made I'm fun of me change, because but, I was making fun of Gammons. I'm not diminishing Gammon's Hall of Fame journalistic career covering the sport of baseball. I would just say when my ideas would come up for how to solve extra innings, the Gammons and the Costas and even throw the Habermans would be the first people calling me a nut job. That was my point. But I don't. But to me, it's just my whole point is we don't have to do everything that Peter Gammons wants or Bob Costas wants. But I also don't think their opinions are irrelevant. That's my. That's my ultimate point. And just because they don't like one idea doesn't mean they won't like all ideas. And I think ba- like baseball's experimenting. They're trying they have been true. experimenting they're, they're throwing start, a lot of ideas. They're starting to get out. a little better. So, but I, I think a good example is You could make the you could definitely make the case it's taken too long. Wh- That'd be absolutely wouldn't you, fair. Wouldn't you say for as much shit as the NFL gets about being money hungry and all that stuff, they are of the three leagues, they're the best at like 
Now, they, again, they do the float move, but they do do some pretty – they change pretty quick, right? Well, like Thursday Night Football out of nowhere, right? But, I, but I'm, not, I'm not talking about that type of stuff. I'm talking about more the, the structure of the sport and just like things like replay to now challenges to just, just boom, boom. And, then, and they're good at – and this is what probably baseball historically has struggled with, which they're, I think they're getting a lot better at this – they ride the snowball. Like, there is clearly arguments on inside the room, right? People are standing up like, this is stupid, this is stupid. They're talked into just doing it, and then I think people realize there is some benefit, and once the once they get a sniff of benefit, then the snowball of, okay, because you could argue just there is no overtime. You just fucking a tie in the regular season or something. And then yeah, they get in the overtime yeah. and realize something's a little off, and they keep trying stuff, and they keep adapting. But they... Once they get it going, then it really gets going. I think the hardest part in baseball is just to get it going. Because like you said, once... Yeah, I, I, and that's where I think the electronic strike zone's a big deal. Because I think it'll, we'll look back on it and go like, oh, this was great. Like, of course. But it's going to feel massive to the people who don't want change. And then I think they'll see how efficient it is. Because I would say in base because that is that is a change that you'll feel on every single play, right? You'll feel it on every pitch, but you won't really feel it because it'll just be seamless. What do you say? A big difference, probably in baseball than football, is the piece people most impact in football are the coaches, and probably people most impact in baseball are the players. Maybe that's diminishing By. the role of just of just kind of drastic changes. The people that feel the change the most in football are. Because it always feels like when a big rule change, like, oh, how's the game management going to go? Oh, how's this going to happen? Are you going to have to do yeah, more I mean, baseball? I like an electronic strike zone doesn't really change your fucking manager. Like, like the players will feel reviews on pass interference, right? True, but it's like it still impacts, like, when do I throw this? When do I not? Like, if I do electronic yeah. strike zone, oh, yeah, that just yeah, impacts yeah. the pitcher more than, like, the manager's just, he's not really, like, doing anything. He's just kind of watching. But to me... Yeah, yeah. Like, you you impact overtime rules. Who got crushed, like, last year? Someone, maybe it was past, like, tried to kick a field goal too early in overtime. Something happened last year. might have been Patricia. It just feels like the, the, the sl- subtle impact, the rules every year in the NFL, because it's usually a coaching decision. Do I go for it? Do I not? Do we get the yeah. ball back? Do we kick off? Things were in baseball. It's a little less procedural when it's just, like, if it's electronic strike zone, if, if yeah, I mean there are just less decisions, right? That a baseball that's, man can make. That's probably course. part of it, you know. Because I also think, like in baseball, you don't really co- coach things out of people. Like one thing in baseball, I, I I would imagine that has been coached into people is swinging for the fences more now because they're okay with strikeouts, less two strike approaches. So the fundamental, right. the coaching aspect of the game has just kind of changed through analytics. Where in football. Once a rule is like, you will be ejected for leading with the crown of your helmet. So the entire different way they coach in practice, then it kind of flows downhill from the coach down. Because guys go, well, that's not what we're coached to do. Because a player will just Mm -hmm. say, we just do what we're told. We're basically like Army Rangers and the coach is the general. Just telling me, I I do what I'm told to do. Yet they always scream at me, go make a play. Well, do you want me to run the ride of this or you want me to try to make a play my way? You know, it is kind of a tough little happy medium. Because I was watching the All yeah. or Nothing thing and Ron Rivera. I mean, all football things are all the same. Like, we're going to play hard. We're going to run through the whistle. But then he throws in like, just go out there and make plays. 
well, do you want me to stay within the confines of everything you told me or you want me to kind of freelance? <laughs> you know, because that's you're watching Cam and you realize, God, there is I'm not the biggest Cam guy, but I realized last night watching this, he really is a special talent. You just watch him run. He's like stiff arming DBs. He's got this hose. He's huge. Like his teammates kind of like him. Like I I crush like the Lamar Jacksons of the world or RG3. It's like Cam is in a completely different level. Because when he is on, he can just beat anybody, right? Like Cam's got pitches in the bag, but it's also a little bit of a freelance. It's just like you just kind of got to let him be him. Right. You know? And I, yeah. I guess hitters are like that. You know, you just he just got his own approach. You got to let him do him. He's comfortable doing it. I think during the during the major, it was interesting hearing like Azinger talk about like, and I know this just my swing got all fucked up a couple weeks ago. There's just a balance of of worrying about hitting. You call Butch? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, of making the right swing and hitting the right shot. Like there is, you know, I'm trying to play a shot and I'm not worried about my swing, or I'm worried about my swing, and then the shot just comes. Right, Where I right. think in baseball is kind of similar to golf, just because there's a lot of thinking, like you're worrying about the swing of your plane of your swing or your arm angle. Where in football, it's like Antonio Brown ain't doing much thinking once the ball's in his hands, right? He's just instincts, just making guys miss and just making plays. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, like an open receiver, a coach gets some of the credit for that. True. So outside of like shifts in baseball. Like, the coaches don't call the pitches like they do in college. No. Like, you didn't do anything when a guy hits a home run, right, in the third inning. Right. You just, oh, yeah, I batted him third today. <laughs> now, you do get a little credit, but, again, it's like, it's not dumb luck, but, you know, you know who, who I can't believe he brought that guy to pitch it in the eighth and he hit a home run. Like, there is a lot of luck to that, right? Yeah. But there right. is numbers on your side. I, they're just completely different games. All right. On that note. Yeah, go get your ease. Ease.com, easewellness.com, promo code AM. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dank deals coming up, fifth year anniversary. Peace. You're going to watch any of the, huh? You're going to watch what? Uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame speeches have been going on while we've been talking. I might go back and check out a couple of them. Who's in the class? Musina, uh, Edgar Martinez, Jason Stark, Harold, Harold Baines, Roy Halladay, whose wife spoke. Uh, somebody else I'm forgetting. Did you laugh at Jason Stark? I think he got inducted. Oh. Didn't he? Well, no, I'm just laughing that you put him in the in the player category. Oh, yeah, it's a separate category? Uh, see, well, I mean, there's like a right... And yeah. I, I don't want to go... I'm not going to go down another tangent here, but that's something... I'm a sucker hmm. for Hall of Fame speeches. Uh, and football does a good job of this. It makes it its own night. Like, it's... Now, again, it's a little difficult in baseball, but couldn't you argue, like, maybe do it in the off season, or maybe just have, like, on a Monday like a holiday when everyone's off. I, I don't know exactly how to do it, but you get lost. Because I'll watch. Yeah. I, I, Lee Smith. Lee Smith. I, I think most of us, if you're a sports fan, and you grew up watching a player, it's kind of cool when you watch him give a speech. And every year, in, I know baseball, a couple years ago, I remember they had the class. It was like Randy, Pedro, Maddox. It was like, I mean, it has to be the greatest class ever. I mean, all four of the guys could have been unanimous, right? I remember one guy got crushed like, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez weren't unanimous. If those guys aren't unanimous, like, fuck, what are we well, doing? No one's ever been until well, Mariano. Well, I know, but the point was Mariano in this class. Was he this one or last year? Maybe it was last one. He's this one. He's this one. But he's I, in this. Class. But I know every. I mean, the now football's unique. 
just the timing. And I get it's harder no, but you're in right. baseball. Like, why not make it feel like the Heisman ceremony, right? Just something like that. You kind of like. Would a Saturday night be better? Heisman's usually on a Saturday night, though. But yeah, like a Monday night, right now, like this time of year, like the casual guy. And I get football's a or little a different, night. but Brett Favre. Well, you don't stumble into this, no. Usually, like you stumble in, yeah. like oh, Brett Favre, and then Jerome Bettis. And I didn't even think Jerome Bettis was a Hall of Famer, but his speech I remember was pretty good. Now, part of it was the Steeler fans. It felt like ten thousand of them were there. They had terrible towels, so it was just kind of cool. But every year the NFL now they also have some. But that's also part of like the football kickoff. Like it's yeah. just the timing works out. Yeah, you're just kind of yeah. It's just it's perfect. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I this week the weekend. Sunday. I, I, honestly, I, I don't even coming from other places. I don't even know who's going in this year for the NFL. Pat Bowen. I'm not sure. Because I think it's the it's the Broncos and the Arizona Cardinals. But I'm not. Who's the Cardinals? Kurt Warner. He already went in, didn't he? I mean, Emmett Smith, uh, Cowboy. Yeah, yeah, Kurt did. Um, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know either. Larry Fitzgerald let him in early. But I'm pretty sure that's the game. That's why I, I know the Broncos are going. That's why they started camp, you know, five days ago. Really quick before mm-hmm. we sign off. Mm-hmm. You and I have always loved, because we saw it firsthand, Fangio, the way he just talks about a player. Yeah, <laughs> like he just very openly. Zero, directly. zero, zero. You know, there's no politician in him. He's not fake at all. He kind of crushed Drew Locke. Now, crush would be strong, but for 2019 standards, I think it used to happen a lot more. Just coaches would talk shit about young guys. Not even talk shit, just refuse to anoint them. This Mm -hmm. was a Parcells move. And a lot of defensive guys have always been like this. He basically said Drew Locke is not an NFL quarterback right now. He's just a pitcher that throws hard and doesn't have any other pitches. (laughs) And I, I just wonder in 2019, like this would be my knock on Fangio. That stuff works with defensive guys. I think offensive guys, when you're also then they're not in their meetings and stuff, so you're not going to be around them. Like it's it's easy to kind of be hard on Khalil Mack when you're also around him all the time and he's tough-minded and defensive guys are a little crazier. When you rip offensive guys who are wired a little more like NBA players and are softer by nature, the sk- the skill guys, not the linemen, but the wide receivers and the quarterbacks and the running backs. You gotta be careful. So it's just just keep an eye on that. Like, Vic, if your team is if you're going six and ten or seven and nine this year, I don't know if that stuff totally plays. <laughs> you know, when it's like, you know, Emmanuel Sanders doesn't dive for a fumble and you call him a pussy, I mean, without using those words after. Just cause so, someone I, I tweeted it out and someone's like, Oh, this this is a Mike Zimmer playbook too. Oh, I didn't see. I got to go find that. And Mike's obviously does that too. And I would say, yeah, do the offensive guys truly love Mike Zimmer? <laughs> Clearly the co- offensive coaches don't. It's just, I. it's not easy, man. And it's just, it's why I think Belichick would say, you just don't, it's, you're better off just saying nothing than trying to like, make right. make your stand to Drew Locke in the meeting. In person. Right? Yeah, like you can call him out in a meeting or yeah, in a just bring him to your office or just coach him hard. But the media stuff, those guys, especially now in this culture, like Bleacher Report, I mean, they, they, and so many of these sites do it now. They, they just steal. It's like the Broncos will tweet out something or just Team X, any sport. They just rip the video and then they give the team credit, but they use it on their account. It's just so like, I'm not in a click, but I do the same thing sometimes on like my Instagram, but it's like Bleacher Report, who's like a major business. That's all they do. You notice? I know. They, every yes. video they have yes, is just from 
Zoltan, like the LA Galaxy. They just rip it, and then they give LAC Galaxy the credit. So it's like, we're not doing anything illegal, even though there aren't really rules on the internet. But it's like, come on, guys. This is your content. You didn't do shit. Right. That's something kind of eating in my craw. Uh, but, but to your point, I'm, I, it's always bothered me that. But to your point on Vic, I learned this being in a, just when I was doing a lot of baseball, especially like A's pre and post, and you're in the clubhouse every day, you realize the, the guy that the media loves his quotes, like, oh, he just tells the truth to the media, right? And this is not always the guy that's loved in the clubhouse. That you think like, oh, I love talking to this guy. He just always tells it like it is. It's like, yeah, well, his job isn't really to tell us like it is. It's to tell the people in the clubhouse what it's like. And that's where you get into a little trouble if, like to your point on Vic, I could see that. See, and I, and I don't think Vic is like, he ain't trying to give quotes. He's just talking like he talks because no, no. he has no filter. Yeah. And that's the why way he's always talked. We watch him, but he was a coordinator. No one noticed because someone tweeted at me like, "Well, if he if he makes the playoffs this year, it'll be he's just coaching him hard. And if he fucks up, it'll be like he screwed up this way." I'm like, "No, that's regardless how it works. Vix, that's just Fangio. That's how he's been for his entire career. Yeah, like he ain't that's who they hired. He ain't doing anything. He's just being him. Just like Zimmer is just not being the guy they hired. Zimmer is just yep. doing what he learned from Barcells. It's who he is. But I wonder, like, can you? And this is the argument, once you hire that guy, you're hiring me. So don't tell me to change, but you have to be open like, hey, Vic, just with offensive guys or even the quarterback, like if you're Elway, it just don't even, just fake it or you can't fake it. You know, it's one of those, like once you hire, I once you sign a free he, agent, yeah. you get what you pay for. He ain't changing. It's kind of like, this is this is who I am. This is how I'm going to, I got my chance. I'm not going to change who I am now. I, I think Elway would tell you, we've kind of been soft the last couple of years. We want this. I think I think yeah. they do. I just don't know if it works. Now, it worked for Zimmer. Rookie court, rookie quarterback's a good first target, though. And it's somewhat easy, right? Because he's a second-round pick. He's not a top-ten pick. He is, No one can really argue, like, yeah, Vic's kind of right. It's not like he's, you know, ripping. You know, Von Miller, he just, I think he's kind of soft sometimes. People are like, whoa. <laughs> you know, it's not like he said that. It's an easy target. But I think if you're Drew Locke, what if you are a little softer? You're like, fuck, this guy already hates me? Because I, I was just thinking last night, if I'm Drew Locke, are there going to be points in time over the next month where you just realize, does my head coach fucking hate my guts? Well, yeah, that's the most important thing is, like, how do you need to – you drafted Drew Locke to be your quarterback, hopefully, one day. So how do you make sure you give Drew Locke the best if, – if he's soft and can't be coached like this, then you shouldn't coach him like this. You might think this is how you should coach everybody, but if that doesn't work for Drew Locke, then it doesn't work. Well, right? Th- like, at the end of the day, I, tough, I was tough and he sucked. Well, th- you, your pick was bad. Well, th- th- this, so also, this also got me thinking, guy – why I think defensive coaches are just in trouble big time. Because this position now, which most of them, and they're just a little softer, is by far the most important in the pie chart, right? And these guys just naturally, whether it's resentment, whether just as your defensive coach, you're a little crazier. It's just, it's not conducive toward that guy. Because let's call it what it is. If Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, even if they thought that about Drew Locke, which I'm sure they probably would, like he's raw, he needs some work, they would not have used any work. If anything, they probably would have gone the other way, right? Listen, I already like what I see from Drew. We got the same things he needs to work on from college, but we're very confident in our scheme. And this guy's the first guy in, he's the last guy out. We're going to figure it out. We love everything about it. He's a rookie. We're going to go through our growing pains, but we're all in on him. Vic is not. 
And I got news for you. That's kind of the way you got to take it. You know, that's so I understand what all these defensive guys, these owners, they only want McVay's. Well, yeah, they want technically Sean McVay, but really what they want is just the guy to be able to massage their quarterback that in a perfect world, they're going to end up paying 30, 35, 40, 50 million dollars. Yeah, you just, you just want to get the most out of them however you so got to get my main takeaway, and I love Vic Fangio. I think it could be a royal flop. Because if Flacco sucks, they might ruin this guy mentally before he even starts in Drew Locke. Because I, I put myself in Drew Locke's shoes. I know nothing about him. I have to text like if his character, if he's like a strong-minded guy. Soft. I don't know anything about him. Even if he's tough-minded, it's going to be difficult. Because this is, this is an old, old-school guy. And you got Elway always looking at you kind of funny. It's not an easy place to be, man. That's just... No, it's not. And then their defense is good, and you know their defense probably be good, and you're going to be the reason the team sucks. I'm rooting for Vic, but I, I probably think they're going to suck. <laughs> I'm with you. Mostly. So, suck was strong, but like 6-10 and 10 to them is a disaster. Bernie Williams is playing the guitar right now at the All-Star, uh, at the uh, Hall of Fame. In Did he get in, or is he doing it for Mariano? He's just doing a solo, just guitar solo. <laughs> I don't have the volume on, but that is one thing with this event. Like, a big part of it is people traveling in for a big weekend. Well, who'd Bochy go? I don't who'd know. Bochy go to last year? Was it Hoffman? Trevor Hoffman? Didn't he go to his? Yeah, Hoffman. Yeah. He just took, he just. I just mean, like, fans treating it like a Mecca event. Like, it's kind of a, dude, Bernie is jamming. He is jamming. I'd say Bernie's put on a weight, but he's always had a little if, chubby if face. Bradley, if Bradley Cooper came out next to sing with Bernie, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be marketing, John. Do you think uh, hot take Mariano a little overrated? Uh, what do you mean? Like overrated Com- in the grand scheme no, of the game? No, like, just, I'm just completely kidding. Because there's people oh. act that. Like he's clearing well, away I the just, best I do, I do wonder if there's somebody who play. I was actually wondering this like earlier today. If there's somebody who played like double A ball with Mariano. I was like, if they had just taught me the cutter instead of him. I did, like I would have been Mariano. Rivera. Did he teach himself, or did someone teach him? Yeah. I think somebody showed it to him. Yeah, in the minors. But again, like there's a million pitchers that throw a cutter. So was that his only pitch? It was by far his best pitch. So it was just he just threw it over and over, and no one could touch it because he he wasn't throwing Breaking. like 99, right? Because when he but you had to throw it in a certain spot, like he was obviously yeah, he located. But it. like when he replaced half the battle, right? Wetland. The one thing Wetland had was throwing like back then 97 was like today's 104. But it was ninety-seven. Was if you were throwing ninety-seven in the mid-nineties, like that was cheese. I remember they got rid of him. Like Mariano was throwing ninety-four, but he wasn't throwing ninety-nine. But someone did. I saw it earlier today. Tweeted out the basically if you were sitting, you know, right before behind home plate in a seat, the view mm-hmm. of the cutter. But it was kind of zoomed mm-hmm. in. I mean, it looked pretty. It looked yeah. pretty unhittable. Yeah, and again, you have to throw it in a certain spot. So I think he just threw that and probably, I guess he threw a two-seam fastball or whatever, something that moved a little too. And, uh, yeah, just. Tough to hit. You know, clearly uh, clearly he was effective. All right, on that note. Godspeed. See you later. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.